Uh, 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 can you hear me now? Guys, uh, everybody in the chat, you know, what's going on? Hello? Is, is it fixed? I feel like an asshole right now. Well, you should. Can you hear me? Can you yeah, hear me? They say they got me. They can, they can hear me, dude. You fixed it, but I still can't see your screen, so... What do you do now, soldier? <laughs> I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. What do you even need? You shouldn't need to see my screen today. You have the notes from, from last week. so. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. pull those up, would you? <laughs> yeah. Let me see if I can find them in my uh, filing cabinets. Man, at least no, we... I, uh... I, I don't have the notes. You're just going to have to, if we're doing visual gags... You're gonna have to, cause I can't see you, so that uh, makes. Huh? Yeah, that's true. Well, that's a shame. Maybe actually, here's what I can do for you. Should be able to see me. Oh yeah, so that, if, that, if I'm doing yeah. a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just do it like that. Might as well. Wow, we have just but, been like on a roll for shit luck. Yeah, we're just like, no, nah. yeah, showing up with our fucking, you know. I don't even know what to say. Right now, <laughs> at least we. Well, I, I, let's not jinx anything. Let's just not jinx anything. So how do we how do we get this started now that we've already started? We didn't even do our. Uh, did Did you do our uh, thing? The, you know, our opening thing. Remember our new. Long? Yeah, I did. I did uh, while you were talking, actually. Oh, okay. Good. 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 Yeah, you were... Good. Luckily, they couldn't hear you because as you were reading uh, your favorite excerpts from Mein Kampf, right? Oh. <laughs> no, I was I was doing the was for no, like you were, you were actually talking about uh, what do you call him? Nacho. Nacho. Oh, nacho. That was that was that was Nacho Libre. Great yeah. movie. I do want to point out once since I called you out about um, the Mein Kampf bit. Uh, how in the chat the other day <laughs> said, we were talking about or in the discord we said something about um, that whole uh, situation with the the, the uh, racism in the discord chat and, oh yeah and I said uh, I said and then V got involved and he just like <laughs> really like chastised this poor guy and you know I'm over here like egging him on and shit and V's the one who had to like come in and really just rip this dude a new asshole and your response was something something to the effect of like uh, I I'd prefer not to be made the bad guy for speaking out against hate <laughs> that was uh, that was that was uh, very yeah. funny to me and I felt I felt a little bad because I thought like maybe you thought I was actually giving you shit about it but I was like, you know, what? I'm gonna let him think that. I'm gonna whatever he thinks about this situation, I'm gonna let him it's think fu that. It's funny to me because every time you do that, when you're contrarian to me, there for a split moment, I go, oh, <laughs> I can't. He <laughs> would say that, and then like as I'm typing whatever my response is to you, I'm realizing, well, he's joking, <laughs> he's joking, and then I go, ah, fuck it, I'll just finish. I might as well finish the whole text what I was arguing with you about or yelling at you or laying into you, going. Going, I'm not like that. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you How say that? How dare you? Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. 
Yeah, interesting week though. Interesting week. What do we got for the duo? Like, are we are we jumping in? We, we're running late, so. No, we're not really running that late. What did you do this week? Well, I had man, I had kind of frustrating this week. I was really angry because you know I, I've uh, I've been planning this trip to Taiwan to visit Sharon in July for her birthday, and um, she's born on July fourth, which you know America, fucking America, <laughs> fucking America, and so. Uh, America. <laughs> So I've been planning this trip. And so the other day, you know, I've been getting this windfall of money, like the Biden checks or the stimulus check. And then the unemployment stuff is just stacking up. And I'm going, well, you know, plus my disability. So I'm just pulling in whatever. And I'm sitting on all this money, like blowing it on DoorDash and whatever. Right. And so I go, well, I might as well look and see if maybe I can find a cheap ticket right now to, to go out to Taiwan for July. Like if you get it early, you do the bundle, you get the hotel and the um, the flight together, you book them together, you get a, a better deal. And so I was like, I'll see what I can do with that. And so I check it all out, uh, fly out July 1st, this, this, and that. And um, all these things come up like literal red flags and it's all travel restrictions. Um, if you wanna fly out of the country right now, you have to go through 14 days, like into Taiwan, you get there, you have to wait 14 days in quarantine, which is how long I was planning to stay Right. So I would have to stay an extra 14 days in quarantine before I could even visit Sharon. And then coming back, I'd have to stay wherever in the U.S. Um, at a quarantine site for 10 days. So already I'm going, what is this? <laughs> like, What is this? And it's so, like it made me so mad because I had to like I had to tell Sharon, like, look, like it, it's smarter. It's smarter if we just wait till these travel restrictions are over. And of course, she's like, that's what I told you. You know, I told you that already, which she did. She was like, I don't know if that's a good idea. And I was like, but I want to see you. And uh, of course, like we want to see each other, but it's not feasible, right? Like it's not smart. It's not wise. It'd be a waste of money. And so, um, you know, which her and I, like we came to this agreement that like, it's yeah, of course, like we're good. Like we know we're together, we know we're in a relationship. So let's not rush it, let's just be patient. But then I started getting angry about like the system, right? Like the fucking system, dude, going like, well, goddamn this fucking administration, like when is this shit gonna end? Like how long are we still gonna be in fucking quarantine? How long are we still gonna have to wear fucking masks? Like I'm sick of this shit. And I, I know like you don't wear a mask, mister. I'll fucking puff my chest at anyone. But, and I, I trick myself into doing it because I like to look like a ninja or whatever. And I love having my mask, you know, like being able to just go like this and people go, oh, he's got a mask, you know, plus, you know, it looks way cooler. <laughs> but I started getting mad. I was like, fuck this shit, dude. Like. Like, okay, when it, when Biden, you know, got elected, I was like, all right, well, it's not gonna really affect me that much. So I'm not gonna be like a liberal and go screaming, you know, at the sky and whatever, you know, I'll just take it and go, well, I guess the next four years are gonna suck. But now I'm going, man, these four years are really gonna fucking suck because it's affecting me. I can't go visit Sharon, which I wanted to do. Like I wanted to do that this year. And now it's like, well, what do I do now? I just sit here with my thumb up my ass in my fucking quarantine apartment, right? Where I'm not even sick, you know, at all, but I can't do shit because the fucking communist goddamn government has got his thumb on us just going, no, you do what we say. You can't travel when we travel. And, you know, you better fart when we say fart. Or... You get what I'm going? Can you feel my rage right now about this? Like why I'm upset? Like now it's affecting me. Are you like even I'm, listening? I feel like I'm picking up uh, some of your emotion here uh and i understand like we were, we were talking the other day like you don't have to actually 
contribute at all to a conversation in order for like people to like you all you have to yeah. do is ask questions and yeah, they don't yeah, even yeah. have to be like real meaningful questions like so why does that make you mad because clearly you're you're upset why does that make yeah. you mad what is it about that that makes you uh so passionate and then they'll yeah. like go on another tirade and then you'd be like well so you're telling me this and i'm wondering like like what what do you intend to do with this information you know like that's all you have to do is you just have to keep asking questions and people will just talk At the end of it you've said nothing you've contributed nothing to the conversation but they'll like you more because they sat there and they just talked about themselves for an hour and somebody listened to them and that's all people really want but no i get it i, I feel you i was thinking the same exact thing the other day um i actually here's something funny i uh I recently, so as I'm going through seminary, right, I'm trying to be a better Christian, right? And I think that's the point. That's the whole reason I got, I went to, I decided to go to seminary in the first place, uh, was, it was part of my spiritual development. And so as I'm doing some of these Bible studies, uh, I'm, I, I try to like get something from them, right? And try to make meaningful change in my life. And one of them the other day, uh, I guess it was about do, do these things without complaining, right? Um, do what you're supposed to do and do it without bitching is essentially what Paul was saying to the, to the Philippians. And um, I, part of this indoctrinated, I call it indoctrinated Bible study because that's what it's doing is it's trying to indoctrinate you. Uh, but it's, it's inductive Bible study. You have to do an application and a proclamation at the end. So it's basically like a little mini sermon that you have to do at the end of each one uh, based on the information within the text that was given. And for the application, I realized um, I do a lot of bitching. I do a lot of complaining. For, and, uh, I, and I thought, what am I really getting out of not wearing a mask? I mean, yeah, it's bragging rights. I get to be like, ah, you fucking people. You know, you're scared of this yeah. virus or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. it's bragging rights. And, but then there are some situations where you kind of have to wear a mask. And my rule has always been in a medical situation, uh, I will always wear a mask, like the dentist, the hospital, the vet, that sort of thing. Um, just because it makes sense. And but for like stores, some stores will still make you wear them. Most stores don't. They'll they'll either not ask you about them, or they'll, um, you know, they might bring it up and you just say, "Well, I have a medical condition. I have a, I have a respiratory condition," and they'll drop it right then and there. And I realized that there are some stores that just won't. They'll just make you wear a mask. And I would do a lot of huffing and puffing, and I would just end up leaving. I'm like, you know, it, it says you're right to not let me come in here. That's fine. Uh, but then I, I thought, you know, I do, like I said, I do a lot of bitching and complaining. And what purpose does that serve, really? So I've started, I've gotten to the point where, um, what the hell, Costco is one of the stores that you just can't go in without a mask now. Right, and right. so I started, I'll, I'll wear a mask in Costco. I don't have a problem with that now. Um, but then, and then there are, like, the stores that really burned me in the beginning of the pandemic, those are the ones that I just won't return like um, right. a farm and fleet I think is one of them and uh, or Menards it's Menards uh, so I won't go back to that store but yeah I've, I've, I've kind of like done what you did where you, you tricked yourself into thinking like oh well I can look cool wearing this mask or whatever uh, now I'm just like alright Paul 
I get it. Like, I'll stop the bitching about the fucking mask nonsense or whatever. And uh, I actually had an experience the other day at the library where I've, I've always been asked to wear a mask in the library, and I've always told them no, and they've respected <laughs> that. But this last time, and, I, and it always pisses me off, too, right, when people are like, um, you know, they come up to you, uh, do you have a mask, sir? Like, and they say it angrily. That rubs me the wrong way and makes me not want to wear one even more. But the other day, someone for the first time in a year, I've had an experience with somebody asking me if I had a mask where I walked away thinking, what a sweet woman. What a nice way to word, what a nice way to bring this to my attention, right? She came up to me and she said, very timidly, right? She came up to me and almost in like a position of servitude as much as you can from like a standing position in public. She's like, sir, did you have a mask? And I said, no, I I actually, and she like, went to continue talking because she heard me say that she's like would you would you care for one can i offer you one and i said no no i i actually have a respiratory condition and she says i am sorry to intrude i apologize i truly do and she walked away and that was that and i was like that should be how like every business handles the mask thing not sir where's your fucking mask like this is a pandemic you're killing people like this lady she was just like hey listen you know i'm sorry it's very um, it's, that's relevant. I, I'm I'm reading this um, uh, book by Machiavelli, Nikolai Machiavelli, called the, the Prince, and it's all about manipulation. It's about how to get your subjects to do what you want, right? And um, a lot of it is like telling people what they want to hear, like getting them to like you, you know. Be and my dad, he always says it's the approach. It's all how you approach the person. Like you have to know. Like you're gonna like you gotta learn like body language and like are they already guarded? Like they see you about to approach them, they're already going, Oh no, it's like a car salesman, right? Like they're about to go approach the customer. How do you do it without them already going with that that pre notion of a car salesman being sleazy? They're always going, Here comes the vulture, right? But you have to and like when I used to sell cars, man, I, I was like this dumb kid that was just like, I'm friends with everybody. I don't know. And that's why I did so good at it, because I didn't look at it as like, I've got to sell this car. I looked at it as like, I got to make friends with these people. I got to like figure out how I can step into the, their world and be like, we're homies, man. And and people will buy a car from a friend way before they'll buy one from a car salesman. And so um, it's interesting like that. That paints a really interesting picture of how you know, they want us to wear these masks and yeah, we know it's dumb. It's stupid. Obviously, you know, like it's really dumb that it still exists and that even people still are scared of this disease. And it's like, okay, come on, really, it, it wasn't that big of a deal to begin with. And you're still blowing it out of proportion. And yet there are still methods that you can get people to not necessarily bow to the mob, but at least conform, you know, like that's how I view it. Like I'm going, I hate it. And it's one of those contradictory things, right? Like I hate it that I've conformed by wearing a mask, but at the same time I'm going, well, I'm doing it with style. I got my own mask. I'm not gonna wear your dumbass surgical mask because it looks fucking stupid and I hate that thing over your nose. I fucking hate that, the little clamp or whatever. And then on top of that, you've got these things on your ears and it's kind of a painful after a while. It can be like irritating, like an irritating thing. And so the most logical method to me was get a baklava right like i for when i first started doing it i was wearing our old uh standard issue one the fucking uh brown one uh, yeah the brown one so it looked kind of silly it was kind of like thick right it was like way up here you know like way up here um and then i just ordered one online i was like i'll make it look stylish right and so in a way i i have conformed but i was like i'll do it on my terms and it's like yeah you can get people to do this to wear this silly mask but like don't force them like 
you need to wear this specific mask and like five over that mask and it better be this fucking regulation. It's like you always talk about when you talk about the goalpost moving, you know, like, well, now they're just yeah. saying, now you got to do this. And it's like, well, how was this fine? And now all of a sudden it's like, but we also need you to do this, stand on one foot and tap your head and, you know, all that and wear a mask. So um, it's, it's a good point, dude. That's valid, I think. That was the my big issue too with the all of a sudden they changed it where they were like people were wearing the, the those um fucking ones that you wear to like when you're fishing like uh, they call it the, the SA mask I forget what the company's called I wish I could plug them right now uh because it's a good mask or like it's a good little it's a gator neck is what it is but it has designs on it and shit and I have a few of them uh, a couple that were like American flag uh, black and white American flag ones and then I have one that's um I have one that's the rebel flag and that was the one that I always wore uh, like at the beginning because I was like well if they want me to wear a mask I'm gonna wear this one just so that they're like oh sir like no come on don't wear that mask it's um, in bad <laughs> yeah so so then I'm like do you want me to wear a mask or not how I used to joke about the the swastika mask I would wear one of those and then they'd be like no you can't wear that and I'd be like do you want me to wear the mask or not like wh which one do you want do you want me to that wear my mask or no mask that would be the best instance ever. And yeah. uh, so, like, and then all of a sudden they went after those because they were like, oh, people are doing it and they're not conforming to this uniformity thing. Because that's yeah. what it was really all about was it's like, we need everyone to be, what do you call them, monochromatic uh, carbon cutouts, carbon copies or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they wanted everyone to just look like China, right? With the, everyone has the surgical mask on walking and, around. NPCs, NPCs, right? Right. That's what they wanted. And all of a sudden when people were like, well, I'm going to wear one with a design on it because like, I'm not doing this bull crap anymore. Kind of like the way nurses started wearing uh, cartoon character scrubs and stuff like that. And some places didn't allow that. They were like, you wear the green ones or the light blue ones. And that's that. Uh, so then they went after the gator necks so that they were like, no, 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 those don't work. Uh, because originally it was, you're wearing the mask to protect yourself from the virus. And then people were like, well, no, that's not true because we can prove that these masks don't actually work. The N95 mask isn't even effective about that. It, it actually, the virus can still seep through. It's part of that, that 5% that can get through. Right. And yeah. then they were like, well, no, 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 just kidding. It's actually to protect others uh, because your spit doesn't get out when you're talking to people. And then you're like, okay, well, I just want to talk to people. And they're like, no, 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 you don't understand. You still, like, it comes out through your nose. That's why we're testing you through the nose now, uh, because it'll come out your nose. So even if you don't talk, you're still breathing it out. And you're like, well, okay, so then I'll just wear this gator neck mask. And then they're like, no, 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 that doesn't work either. It has to be this specific mask. And then they started with the, everyone was doing it, and then they were ignoring the whole, you have to wear this surgical mask, right, the respirator one. Um, and people were like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then they're like, all right, fuck it. You can wear those, but you also have to wear the other mask underneath. And we can show you the benefits of double masking. And, uh, and by the way, triple masking. Like, why wouldn't you? Uh, and, and my favorite now is this whole thing with Texas. While we're on the topic of, fuck it, we're on the topic of coronavirus. Might as well keep talking about it. Uh, Texas lifted all mandates on, like, no more mask mandate. Yeah, I saw that. can go full capacity, 100%. Right. Uh, and, and everyone was like, no, well, you guys are going to, in two weeks' time, your guys' numbers are going to skyrocket. And they were like, well, fuck, we're, we're going to go with this. So if you've got a problem with it, leave Texas. I don't know what to tell you. And two weeks later, it's been a month now, 
the numbers have shot down, like almost like like the sharpest drop out of any state. Texas dropped, so they have like uh, next to nothing. It's the lowest it's been since the beginning of the pandemic for new cases and deaths and whatever, and and for positive testing and and all that stuff. Everything dropped. Now you can sit here and say, well, it's because of the vaccine. Okay, that's fine, because the vaccine coupled with not masking or with masking is still worse than vaccine plus not masking and 100% capacity in restaurants. And then when yeah. Dr. Fauci was asked about it, he was like, well, we just have to wait and see. And they're like, well, it's been a month. And he's like, yeah, well, maybe they, or no, he said, he said, maybe they just don't have the, the incubation period yet. And they're like, well, it's been a month. And he's like, oh, well, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what's going on. which is not surprising. Dr. Fauci hasn't known anything since the beginning of the yeah. pandemic. So fucking boob. That man is a boob. He's our he's our best paid idiot. I'll I'll <laughs> say that forever. Yeah. He's 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 the highest paid government official and he's a fucking idiot. And he, he knows nothing about this pandemic. Since the beginning of the pandemic, I don't know why people still listen to him. Because even at the beginning he's like, No, don't wear a mask. And then all of a sudden, he only did that so that healthcare workers could have masks. He was just protecting the healthcare workers, which I get, but he should have said that. You know, he should have said, no, listen, you don't need to wear them out and about, but the healthcare workers do, and then <laughs> stuck with that. But instead, he's like, no, you don't need to wear them. And then later admitted, well, I only said that because, uh, you know, I wanted the healthcare workers to be be safe and I didn't want there to be a shortage of supplies. Uh, he could have later said, all right, well, the virus is spreading. This would have been the tactful way to do it, right? The play, the, the best way to do it. He, he could have said, no, you don't need to be wearing one based on the numbers right now. Just healthcare workers. Okay. People would have been like, all right. And then later said, well, we've seen a surge. I highly recommend you start wearing a mask just as this surge goes on. And then instead of saying, no, I lied to you earlier so that healthcare workers would be protected and there would be a shortage of supplies. So the fact that he admits that he lied in the beginning of the pandemic, causing who knows how many deaths, uh, should be some indicator that he's a man that can't be trusted. Uh, but, yeah, that's, 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 that's my opinion on that whole matter. Plus, I don't know, like, they keep warning us, like, uh, you know, the backwards thinking, Neanderthal thinking is what uh, Biden called it. And saying that the governor's dropping the mandate, the mask mandate. He's like, no, no, this is Neanderthal thinking. You need to do the mask mandate. You need to do this. Don't drop them now, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then the numbers actually show that no mask mandate and 100% in restaurants, you do better than you would if you had mask mandate. Michigan has some of the strictest mask mandates or mask uh, or pandemic rules in place because they have this super strict governor Whitmer or whatever uh, she turned into the super tyrant kind of like our governors right uh, Bashir and, and nuisance they they became tyrants and they locked everything down and like these are the states the ones with the super tyrant governors they're the ones doing so poorly with the pandemic yeah. Yeah, uh, and then right. the ones that relaxed are doing great they're doing just they're doing better than everybody else so i think all these other states are starting to see it and as you saw once uh governor abbott um uh in texas said no more mask mandate no uh, 
no more restrictions on restaurants and shit. None of that nonsense. Um, I, everybody saw that and they were like, oh, that's cool. Well, let's wait it out and see. And then two weeks later, you see everybody dropping their mandates. They're like, oh, this is it's it's wild how like exposing your immune system in small doses to viruses will actually protect you better from the virus than totally isolating yourself from it. This is like viro virology uh, level like 101 shit. And they've been saying it since the beginning. Again, and these microbiologists and virologists and stuff, they've come out and said, no, dude, don't. Don't wear a mask because you're just going to end up getting it and you're going to end up dying from it because your body just has no idea what to do with it when it gets it. Yeah. And, but if you get it yeah. in small doses, just like the flu vaccine, um, you're fine. This is why like all these contagious... Uh, strains, super ultra contagious strains that they warn you about. I, like I said, I've, I've run around without a mask this whole time, and I've not gotten it. And and we went, yeah. and we were like surrounded by people in these high population, no social distancing, no masking situations, and we never got it. And yeah. the people who wear their masks all the time, they come back and they're like, oh, I got the fucking COVID, man. Uh, you know, I don't know if I'm going to make it or whatever. And then they get legitimately sick and end up on a respirator. And you're like, it's because you wore a mask this whole time. Yeah, or 73% right. of the people who died of COVID were obese. Uh, so, like, the fat people wearing masks, the old people wearing masks, the otherwise immunocompromised people wearing masks. I get it. Because you're going to die if you get it. <laughs> but people who are in reasonably decent shape, like average shape, uh, with no like extra additional issues, medical conditions or whatever, you're, you're yeah. fine. You're not gonna you're not gonna die from COVID. Most of the people, anybody that I know who's gotten COVID has gotten over it, and they said it was just like a mild mild flu, uh, and then they moved on. But, but when is it gonna end, dude? Never. Like when is this bullshit gonna end? When they get what, whatever it is that they want, and I think we even said this at the beginning, I don't know what it is that they want to achieve out of this, but here's my take on the issue, right? Whatever it is they want to get out of it, which I thought was the election. I, I think in the beginning I even yeah, said that's what I thought. That's why I thought, oh, it'll all clear up by the time Biden's in office because right. they have gotten what they want, right? Like that's what I assumed, There's you know, but now then I thought, well, maybe they're just stretching it out because they can't make it look like it was that, you know, or who knows? I don't know. Yeah, that was, I agree. I thought that was it too. I was like, they can't just end it the day after he gets it because that was my prediction. I said, yeah. it'll just suddenly out of nowhere, all the numbers will drop, which it kind of did because all of a sudden the, the World Health Organization said that people we were doing the testing wrong and that actually all these false positives and all the people who were uh, dying right. of COVID weren't yeah. actually dying of COVID and weren't actually weren't actually positive but right. uh whatever it is that they want it's something even greater than the election and that's kind of scary and i i hope that encourages you to dig a little bit and try to figure it out because whatever the election was a big thing that, that was a major turn of events and kind of a surprising shock uh to the nation and uh or to half the nation i'll say and the, the the rest of the people were like super. I mean, even the people who voted for Biden, I'm sure, were shocked. But it was it was a big thing. It was a big deal, and uh, they really needed it to work. And by introducing this virus and allowing people to vote from home and uh, being able to um, to do all this crazy stuff without ID and without being having to verify any of this shit, that was a great way to pull it off, uh, especially with the shit candidate that they presented. And who didn't even have to campaign. He just 
was able to campaign from his basement and nobody came to his campaign events they had people like all the shit if you just look into it it's it's fascinating that people believe that it was a legitimate thing uh but we won't get into that today i think we've already gotten into it but whatever it is that they want is something bigger than that whatever could be bigger than that on a national scale i don't know what it is uh i have some predictions but i think because it's a global thing I think it has more to do with what we talked about the other day with the white genocide. I think it probably has something to do with the the Chinese and remember that weird podcaster who was tell like, yeah, yeah. The, the Chinese Alex Jones. He yeah, yeah. Talked about how China and the U.S. were going to become like this powerhouse couple uh, in in economic or economic trade, just trade in general. And then all of a sudden, the U.S. was going to be cast aside and then come under the rule of China. I think that probably has more to do with it, but I think it ends up having, with the ties that Biden has to China, I think this falls under that whole New World Order type uh, situation, and I think how they did it, the Great Reset and all that stuff, I think that has a lot, this this pandemic has a lot to do with that, making sure that it happens, and that's why Biden uh, and all these supposed experts, right, can look at the data see that texas is killing it with no mask mandates and no restrictions on restaurants and the success that they're having uh assuming the vaccine works i don't know but i'm giving them a little bit of credit there because even if you use that as an excuse like well it's the vaccine well okay cool it's working and along with they don't have to mask and they don't have to do this yeah right um so giving them that credit in that regard i don't think the vaccine is what again don't think i'm not an anti-vaxxer is the funny thing i vaccinated my kids uh and i myself vaccinate uh until this last uh, flu season i said you know i'm not even get the flu vaccine because i don't want them like uh testing the covid vaccine and saying it's yeah. the flu vaccine you know uh so i just didn't get it at all but i think um I think it's fascinating that they can look at all this data and they can look at what's going on and and still say this is neanderthal thinking don't do it you need to put the mask mandate back in place you need to do this you need to retain this rule keeping your people under your thumb you need to retain this tyrannical uh governance of your people uh for what purpose especially if the data shows that they don't need to do that so yeah, that's, well, that's fear, kind help, of my... fear helps with subjugation, right? Yeah. So I think that's what's going on with it. And I think we'll, when will it end? Whenever they get what they want uh, or whenever it gets to the, or when, or when a revolt happens, I think revolt yeah. is the natural. Yeah. Well, that's, that's step. what I, I was watching this, uh, Eagle Eye movie the other day with Shia LaBeouf. Do you remember yeah. Eagle Eye? And, yeah. and Billy Bob Thornton and Rosario Dawson and fucking Sam Wilson before he was even the fucking Falcon uh, is in this movie. Anyways, there's this, this robot that goes rogue, right, and starts decides to, like, overthrow the government. But there's this scene where the robot is, like, reading the constant or the Declaration of Independence to fucking uh, Rosario Dawson or whoever, Shia LaBeouf. And there's this point when she talks about, like, when a government, like, right, the Declaration of Independence, when a government isn't doing what it's supposed to, it's the it's the uh, it's responsibility the of, of people. people. Yeah, the duty of its people to overthrow that government. I was like, damn, now I feel like a piece of shit because <laughs> they're not doing what they're fucking supposed to. And I'm sitting here going, what is this circle jerk in the fucking government 
that's just ruining and like shitting on our freedoms. And then I hear this speech from a fucking robot, right? And I'm going, fuck, man, like, when is it that point when I go, you know what, someone like needs to do something about this. And then there's that point when you have that, like, is it supposed to be me? <laughs> is it supposed to be me? Am I that guy that needs to like, you know, step up and go, you know what, dude, let's let's get these idiots out of office, you know, That's or something, thing. you know? Yeah. We've I'm talked done. about this before. We've talked about the shot heard around the world. What is, yeah, yeah. like, when is that going to happen? And we yeah. joked that it was uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. I think that yeah. was a different thing. I think that was, what he did was important and uh, obviously a big deal for, um, you know, I, I don't even remember what they were protesting. What, like some black guy died or something? He got killed by a cop or something. Um, oh, you know what? It was the guy who uh, tried, he reached into his car to get a knife so that he could fight the cops, and then the cops yeah, shot yeah, him yeah. in the back. Uh, and then Kyle shot a pedophile, wife beater, and a, and a felon. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he got fresh. So that was one thing. I, I think what this shot, I, and I've been keeping an eye out, right? I thought, again, the um, us on the steps of the Capitol, not that we were there, but like us in the, in, in the, the, the royal us, right? Um, I thought that was another one, maybe, but I think that was something else, too. I think that was something that helped us to uh, remind the government that they need to fear the people. And I, so I think that was a good step in the right direction. I don't think that was a shot heard around the world. Now, this this Muslim, uh, Muslim Brotherhood guy who drove into the Capitol, I thought maybe I was watching that one a little bit to see what his motive was, but we don't know what his motive was. And again like i'm just trying to keep an eye on all these situations to see which one is going to be who's the guy who's going to end up being the you know when you're speeding on the highway and you know you get in the middle of like two cars that are speeding so that you know you're not going to be the one that gets pulled over it'll either be the guy in the front or the guy in the back you never want to be the guy in the front or the back you want to be the guy in the middle Uh, right like when are we gonna when is that first guy gonna go so that we can follow him and then it can't be us because we have these responsibilities, right? We have these things. But I think that's what everybody thinks. Everybody's the guy who's like, well, I have like a wife and kids and I got this. And is it really that? And then you start questioning, like, is it even really that so big of a what deal? What you're telling me essentially is this. This is what I'm gathering from what you're saying. You're probably is that right. We need a leader. We need a leader to stand up. Yeah. <laughs> Someone go, hey, this is what we need to do. And I'm going to get it started. And you guys are going to come with me. And then we all go, you know, for victory or what does he say? Uh, the Braveheart speech, you know, for whatever. And, you know, I, I think, uh, yeah, that's for Sparta. Yeah. <laughs> for uh, cake down, right? Cake down, right? Uh, I think it's funny, man. Like, you know, when you think about it in that context and like, well, the pandemic is still going on, but just a couple of months ago, there was this quote unquote insurrection. And you go, oh yeah, maybe that's why they're keeping this crap going is because they're afraid that these insurgents whatever are gonna show back up and go hey mofos you ain't doing what we told you to they should be and now yeah and so in their their response to that is the preemptive strike of we got to keep them down we got to you know keep this pandemic going so they still have that fear and keep them sub- subjugated which is what we are pacified dude that's the only way to look at it is we are fucking pacified us dude real live fucking soldiers gi joe man we're pacified like we babies like we baby. They say they said um, 
I actually read something somewhere where they were talking about how the Declaration of Independence was written. I don't know if you know the steps that went into the Declaration of Independence being written. It was being written like during uh, occupied Amer like all occupied colonies, right? Like they had the redcoats still present, and and it was like you had to sneak around, um, very much like occupied Germany and when when the Nazis were there, and you know you'd have the Jews sneaking around and shit, and people trying to hide the Jews. It was the same way with the colonies; people were hiding out, trying to get this declaration put together, and it was all these all the forefathers, and they would meet in places in order to plan this insurrection, this uh, revolt against. England, they would have to meet in schools and churches and these sort of places, like so that it didn't look suspicious. And uh, that was the first thing that got shut down whenever COVID happened. They were like, "We got to shut down the churches. We got to shut down the schools. We got to shut down all this crap." And they're still shut down. Like you see in the you see in the news the um, uh, the, the church that got shut down in. in Poland, and then there was another one, I forget, the, the, the in uh, Canada. They got shut down because of COVID orders, right? And that that's the excuse that they're... And it was so funny to me, too, and that's why I posted something about it on Twitter, how it was like, uh, if you don't discontinue this worship service, um, we're going to find you, fine you 200 pounds. And I posted that picture of St. Peter crucified upside down, saying, pathetic, like uh, Skinner. <laughs> And yeah. I mean, these these the, the disciples of Christ—they were crucified for for going out and uh, spreading the gospel, and in uh, Roman-occupied Mediterranean areas. And we refused to go to church because we might we refused to worship uh, because or it, because of the fear of being fined or whatever or yeah. being put in jail. I mean, Paul spent most of his ministry in jail for crying out loud. Um, just because he wasn't allowed to. He wasn't allowed to do it. And he did it anyways. And people now, they're just like, well, I can't go to church because a, 99, a, a disease or a virus with a 99.7% average uh, survivability rate has created tyrannical governors of these United States. And our, our federal administration is no, is no better, frankly. It's, it's worse, as it were. Um, so I don't know. It, it blows my mind that people are so willing, and I, and I can't like fault them too too much, because I can't sit here and say, well, you fucking pussies, like how dare <laughs> you like not overthrow the government? Because yeah, I'm yeah. not going to. Um, yeah, that's right. So I can't pick on the guys. Eventually, there's going, and maybe it's already happened. Here's the thing, too. Uh, maybe somebody has already tried. And maybe they've been fairly successful. And the only reason we don't know about it is because the media is controlled by the government. I mean, we, we like to pretend that we have this free uh, media, but we don't. The media yeah. is just the fourth arm of the, or the fourth branch of the United States government. And it's always been de Democrat or Democrat operated. So if, if somebody successfully or did some serious, like, uh, damage to the government in a meaningful way that could spark a revolt, we would never hear about it. Uh, because they don't want you to know that yeah, it can be done. Uh, yeah. Kind of like when Leonidas, the 300 didn't kill uh, Xerxes, 
uh, but Leonidas' goal, and he didn't expect to kill Xerxes. They wanted to die on the battlefield anyways, because that was Spartans. Um, that was like the greatest honor that a Spartan could achieve is dying on the, on the field of battle. But he wanted to prove that Xerxes was not a god and that he could bleed. And that would encourage and embolden his the, you know, Spartans so that they would come to war and, and they would fight the Persians. And that was the big fear, and, and not necessarily just Spartans, but all of uh, the free states. They would come together and they would fight Persia and, and defeat it. And so all he wanted to do was make Xerxes bleed. And he did. And it emboldened the entire, like, all these free states to come together and defeat Persia, the expansion of yeah. Persia. And I think that would be something that they would never let slip because we proved that a god king could bleed not we but like the royal we uh we proved that a god king could bleed on january 6th and now they need to make sure that that doesn't happen again that nobody ever sees that and it doesn't embolden more people to do it uh so i think that's why we are still i think i agree with you in that regard this is not an idea that i came uh, but I think I agree with you in that regard. By keeping us locked down, it prevents us from being able to get out there and prove that a god king can bleed. So it's funny. I'm getting messages from Sharon right now. I'm like, I'm doing the show. Like, doesn't she realize? Like, yeah, she's, she's in the chat. She's got to be in the chat, but she's sending me messages right now, going, "Sorry, I fell asleep last night." <laughs> I'm going, I'm, I'm, I can't read your text right now. I'm in the middle of the show. Um, is, let's is, do the. Dang. Oh yeah. Let's, let's do the hellos and then the shot and then we'll get on with the show. Oh, on yeah. with the show. Uh, so hi to the FBI guy. I, I wouldn't want to yeah. forget you I'm again this week. Yeah, first and foremost. <laughs> uh, and then Sharon, who's who's uh, just text Sharon and let her know that I said welcome to the show. Uh, Jay Coop, <laughs> Mike in Manitoba, Justin Welker, James Pregler, I love God, Bodacious. Uh, I just now realized that that's what it is. I saw it earlier. I was like, Bo? His name is Bo. And then I thought, Dacious. Dacious, Dacious. I was like, I thought of them as two separate entities, not <laughs> Bodacious. Now yeah. I see it as I'm reading it out loud. I uh, I lack tact, uh, who I actually attended one of his live streams the other day. Um, it was, uh, um, what the heck were we watching? I don't even know what the game was called, but it was, it was fun to watch it. It was kind of like Diablo. Uh, uh, he does live streaming now, and you should definitely check it out. <laughs> Uh, Megabit and King Cracker, welcome to the chat. Chack, chat, welcome to the welcome chat. To the uh, and then also, I did want to address I Love God. Yes, we are both unemployed. He said that, or he asked if we, he's like, Aren't you guys unemployed earlier? And then he redacted his message. Uh, but I was going to address that and say, Yes, we, we are unemployed. Um, we're retired. <laughs> I go, What is this job? Whenever somebody goes, Someone talks about their job or work, I go, What is this job you speak of? What and work? What is that? It sounds awful. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you even subject yourself to that? <laughs> um, and then and then Mike said, take the shot, Tom. And uh, everybody in the chat attacked Mike, poor Mike, because we were talking about the vaccine. And he said, take the shot, referring to the drink. And everyone thought he was talking about the vaccine. And everyone's like, no, don't do it, don't do it. And I yeah. do agree with you. I love God. The uh, I, I do think that there is something to do. I used to think that um, the mask was the mark, and it's almost like the, the, the whole this whole timeline or this whole uh, sequence of events 
they've been like reading Revelation and trying to make everything look like the mark of the beast, right? And, and the, re the revelation sequence of events, right? Uh, because at first I was like, okay, the, the mask and the gloves, right? Because the mark is on your, your head and your hand, head and or your hand. Uh, right. And I thought, okay, mask and gloves, that's very popular at the beginning of the pandemic. I was like, I'm not going to wear a mask because it's, you know, the mark of the beast. Uh, and, then, and then I started to think about it, and I think I talked to you about this the other day, V. I said, I think that, or maybe it was... Uh, the super fan um i said i think that the pandemic or COVID 19 itself uh and not necessarily the virus but like the whole scenario is the mark of the beast right and it's like the start of the kicking off of the i think you could draw a lot of parallels to COVID 19 to uh the book of revelation and then i realized um the 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 vaccine uh is possibly the mark of the beast right um like because you can't with the vaccine passport you're not gonna be able to do all this uh you're not gonna be able to engage in commerce and, and all this sort of stuff it's gonna make your life very difficult to not obtain the mark of the beast in, or in accordance with the revelatory uh, discussion and um that's the same that we're seeing with this uh vaccine oh you don't have the vaccine you're not gonna be able to travel you're not gonna be able to go into stores you're not gonna be able to do all this shit unless you have the vaccine passport uh, right. So it's almost like they're pulling straight from Revelation as a goof uh, to see if they can piss people off, like the ultra conservative Christian crowd. Um, yeah. Which I think, like, I appreciate it because it's funny. But um, if it was a joke, right, I would I would be like, okay, very funny. Like, I could, that was a good prank that you pulled. But at the same time, like, it's starting to seem less and less like a joke and more and more like a, this is like. No, this isn't a joke, Tom. This is you're gonna get the shot and you're gonna live in a pod yeah, a and you're gonna eat the bugs and coming up. Bullshit. Kind of have to not ignore it. Yeah. But, all right. So what are we toasting to? Sophia, you said something about the robots and the robots knowing more than we do. And, uh, and after our discussion, robot. yeah, yeah. that robot, uh, how she like answered ethically that question about the trolley question or whatever by just removing herself from it. Nailed that question. So, to Sophia yeah. and the and the robot uprising. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I don't like I don't, I don't like thinking about all that robot stuff. Although I, at the same time, you know, I'm very excited about the future. Like I'm, I know those futurists where I I can see what's going to happen. Like I know, man, this is going to happen. We're going to see this. I watch all these uh, technology videos and I see all these things about what we're what we're moving towards. You know, I always think about VR. You know, I was I always joke VR is just for porn, but at the same time like vr has existed since the 80s and like it's just now gaining traction right just now people are going oh this is actually pretty cool and even before then it wasn't as like you know high tech as it is now but then you go well here we are you know 40 years from 1980 and we're going what do we got here well let's do something with this and it's it's more uh, refined because the kids are susceptible to it and they all go oh man this is like being in fucking sword art online or ready player one or whatever and so we have all these media things pumping it up and so it's going to be interesting to see i think for you and i too like to become old men and watch this technology progress i always tell my dad i go man it, i go do you ever go i would have never thought to see this stuff in my age you know what he is now i in fact i think a few months ago i gave him a tablet i, ha I had like upgraded and like i had this old tablet that like i always take care of my gadgetry right i'm like 
pristine. I've never dropped my phone. I've had the same phone for two years and it's like in pristine condition and I don't even have like a case on it. And so I had this old tablet that's still really good, but I upgraded. I was like, I want the new, you know, I got that uh, unemployment money, the whole, all at once. And I was like, I'm going to buy the best fucking tablet on the market, you know, and that's what I'm going to get. And I gave my dad my old one and he was just like blown away. He was like, I can't figure out anything. And I can't, figure. I had to like sit down and like set it up for him and be like, no, 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 <laughs> let me show you, you know? And then finally he figured out that it was just like his phone because it's a Samsung, right? And um, it was funny to me because it made, really made me think about like, man, technology, like when I'm his age, I'm going to be like looking at things going, how do I do this? Or maybe not, maybe because we're, we came from a generation where we're integrated into analog and digital that we've already made that transition and, and our future will be like everything technology and we'll just adapt. Who knows? It's, it's an interesting thought though. I know that for sure. What's interesting to me about the whole, um, don't let me forget this guys in the chat. They're making a lot of really good points. Uh, remind me to talk about your points that you made. Um, the, uh, you know, VR existed, right? I mean, when we were kids, right? There was, um, what, what the hell was it? Uh, like Nintendo, uh, what was the Nintendo one? The VR headset for Nintendo. The, the, oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking uh, about? I know what you're talking about, yeah. It's like all red and shit. And yeah, then, yeah. Uh, and then they had Nine? the ones where it was like the tab dropped down. And it was even like those cheap little Tiger handheld games, but it was VR. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like that, VR. yeah, that existed back when, Virtual Boy, right? Um, Virtual that's what, Boy. That's the other it was. Yeah, Virtual Boy. And shit just pops into my head, and I just have to spit it out, otherwise I'll forget. Uh, but we did nothing. For, like you said, there was nothing with VR for years and years. And it was almost like we just knew it was never going to happen. And then all of a sudden, uh, within the last two, three years, it just came right back. Like, surprise. Like, hey, by the way, we, can't, we, we figured out VR. After having not mentioned it for fucking 20 years... Uh, longer than that, like 25 years. And right. um, and no advances in that meantime. And that was like the cool thing. Like that, people were so excited about it at the time. And then it just dropped. Nobody was talking about it. Uh, right. And then all of a sudden we have it. And it's like perfected at this point. Like we got yeah. it and it was perfect. Uh, and it, that sort of thing just kind of makes me think, uh, it, it strengthens my argument that all of our... Um, technological advances come from aliens delivering it. Kind of like the cell phone, right? We went from having a little brick that couldn't do shit, like couldn't do anything, to all of a sudden having smartphones, right? Yeah. And it was like the Apple. Nothing's changed about the Apple iPhone since ever. It's the same thing. It just gets bigger and like, that's it. Uh, and with more space in it. So, we see like human advancements are so minuscule but then we get this big thing dropped in our lap out of nowhere and uh you know it, there's no other explanation to me than it was given to us right yeah like that, that's hard to argue i i even i go when you when i see the technological advancements and i think about i you know because i love bob we always talk about bob lazar like i always reference him because i feel like he had to have some hand like i call him the um the Steve Jobs of alien technology, because I, I, in my head, in my imagination, I think, you know, I bet Bob Lazar 
was the guy that was like, check this out, this crazy device that came from a thing, and somehow it got to Steve Jobs, and he was like, we can make an iPod shuffle, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the next thing you know, we have all this memory, or who knows what it really was, but I, yeah, I, I know this is a little off topic, but we talked about Bob Lazard. I always, like, I want to do a movie. One day I'm going to do a movie, and, and it's going to be about Bob Lazar, and it's going to star that dude that played McLovin. What's his name? Um, Christopher Mintz Plotz, right? Christopher Mintz Plotz. And he'll be Bob Lazar, and it'll be like, it won't be like a drama. It'll still be kind of funny, but I really want to do a story about Bob Lazar one day because, to me, that's the one that has the most validity out of everything, at least that we've done so far, that it's like, this could be true. This guy... If if aliens came and the government had control of them, they needed outside help, and he was the guy. He was the guy that they were like, hey, man, you know, and then, you know, he had this hooker problem, and, well, I wouldn't say problem, <laughs> but, you know, that's cool, too, and that goes into the character. I love that kind of stuff, but uh, don't forget to mention the, the comments they were saying. We, yeah, we don't want to... so we're fucking running out of time again. We're not going to talk about pyramids already? again. No, 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 no. We're, we're, we're at an hour already, and... um. You know, I want to talk about the pyramids because this is supposed to be Mike's special day, but we keep blowing them off. But this is there's some important shit coming out today that we need to talk about. This might, we might have to kick the pyramid thing down the road a little bit. Um, we'll kick it to next week. How about that? And and we'll deal with some of this shit because there's some hot <laughs> current events going on. We keep putting off the pyramids. Um, we keep putting it off. So, Everybody's all, come on, guy, come on. But people are talking about, we're talking about aliens, and people in the chat are talking about aliens, and we're talking about COVID yeah. and shit, and this is all current event shit, so we, yeah, we right. might need yeah. to talk about this. Um, yeah, I know. Definitely. So, first of all, the people in the chat that were talking about the Mark of the Beast, and that I'm an eschatologist, and my studies in the ministry started in Revelation. Uh, that's actually how I came back into the ministry. I think that's how God wrote me into the ministry and pulled me in. Uh, because I started there, and I, the, the, the Bible is not, it's not chronological. So it, to some degree it is, but for the most part it's not. You can really read wherever you want, and you'll get what you need from it. And I started in Revelation, and, and then I started over, in, and I did Genesis. So I kind of like did both ends of the sandwich. And then in my thorough studies and so this mark of the beast and the revelation um that stuff is kind of my wheelhouse and people were some of the comments in the chat that i want to address i love god i don't know how you feel about i love god v but he, he does make some very valid points uh the the mask was too easy to be the, the mark of the beast and looking back i would agree with that but i think in the beginning that was my um that was my default where i was like i'm not wearing the mask because now i'm seeing all these parallels to the mark of the beast right. with the mask and he said the mask was too easy to be the mark and i agree with that now looking back and um well isn't and it supposed came... to be on your forehead too yeah like, well, the mark the but again forehead and right hand right specifically well the head and the hand is is the rule and um yeah i think a lot of the stuff a lot of the stuff that we've been conditioned to believe has actually been the work of scholars after the Bible was written and the original work. And we don't realize, like, the rapture is not really mentioned in the Bible. Uh, people have kind of created this idea of the rapture based on the text, and you have to, like, kind of go back and look at the original source material and realize that a lot of the stuff that we were conditioned to believe growing up is the work of biblical scholars and part of a denominational preference, so, um, or denominational interpretation. Uh, 
So I would say you also have to consider that the book of Revelation was written by John, right? John of Patmos, a fisherman, uh, mm -hmm. who really was trying to figure out what he was looking at because basically Christ presented him this stuff without really giving him like the footnotes to go along with it. Yeah. And so yeah. he's kind of trying to make sense of a lot of the stuff, stuff falling from the sky. Could that be rockets? He called it just stars falling or he called it rocks or whatever falling from the sky meteors um and over the course of the centuries the translations that we've gotten from that uh we the people kind of did the best with what they could or what they had and so i think when we hear about the mark on the head and the hand um i think he may have originally initially i have to look at the original greek but i think there could be some potentially some mistranslation or some um, coiny Greek was actually kind of the retards Greek and that it was like the lowest uh, easiest dumbest layman's version of Greek so that everybody could understand it and it was written in that way for that reason because the Bible wasn't written for you know scholars it was written for idiots like me and so that you could look at it and be yeah. like oh I get it um, and you didn't have to have necessarily an education to understand it. And that was just the language of the retards of the time. And so when, you know, you have to look at those words that they used were kind of like words that everybody could understand. Now, when we look at stuff and you've got biblical scholars and you've got people who have, we have words for everything, uh, kind of people did the best with what they could or what they had in the Greek, the Koine Greek, only existed for like 300 years or three or 600 years i think it was like 300 bc to 380 so 600 years um but it is a very brief time that that language existed or that dialect of the language existed so we have to kind of go based off of the idiot version of the very basic root words that were used very caveman speak uh, and turn it into modern language. So when he says, if we read it and the book, our translation says the mark is on the forehead and the right hand, that could have been somebody's interpretation when they translated it. And the original text could have said on the head and the hand or the head and the appendage or the, um, you know, the, the, the upper body and the, who knows, like who knows what the original, original word actually well, would translate to today. Because nobody wants to read, yeah, the wiener. Um, anybody with a Prince <laughs> Albert is, is the mark of the beast. Yeah. Uh, so sure. you've got like, because um, nobody wants to read the Bible written in caveman speak, right? So they have to read it. Facing uh, your butthole is like the mark of the beast. Yeah, yeah, who knows, right? Um, but so, <laughs> we kind of have to like read the, if we read it in the original caveman speak, I think it would be a very different story than like the spe specificity that we have now. Um, but I would have to, again, I would have to look Good into word. it and look at the original uh, context and the original, the original writing. Uh, so I would agree with that. And then King Cracker mentioned, um, oh, and then let's continue with I Love God's Peace here. It's an interesting point that they'd uh, be obs. obs obfuscating the mark of Satan with fake outs, which could be true too. They could be doing these things to um, kind of like what I said about, um, you know, 
like stealing from the Bible and using those as like a trick to kind of like string you along so that and create this this idea and uh, then also maybe getting uh, confusing people to get the mark before they realize what it is and I think that could be too uh, if they do it enough times that could also be somebody finally saying like me imagine me like five or six supposed mark of the beast down the road I'm like okay fuck it I've been wrong this whole time I might as well go ahead and get the the, the chip implant right like this is clearly not the mark of the beast because <laughs> yeah, I've been wrong yeah. every time uh, that could also be it but it could be number three out of five of things that I thought were the mark of the beast who knows uh, I think that's I think those are all very good points King Cracker going back to the whole thing about the vaccine passports I don't know about that though because several states banned it Florida and Georgia uh, I think Tennessee and Idaho were the last ones that I saw that actually banned it too and um, I think that's you need to look deeper into that because all that the states have done is they've banned the state government or any kind of federal requirements kind of like in the same way um, it's legal to smoke weed in Washington DC however the federal government still outlaws uh, smoking weed so yeah. if you that's and they have to go through all these hoops to make it so that people can um, smoke weed in these states and regardless of what the state says the federal government can still prosecute you if that makes sense uh, but the thing is these states are saying no we're not going to allow that in any kind of government capacity like we won't require vac uh, the vaccine passports from a government standpoint that doesn't mean that a store or a business, a private business, can't say, hey, you need to have the vaccine passport. Kind of like the way the masks, uh, they never mandated the masks at the federal level under Trump. Uh, and they can't do it with Biden. Lord knows they've tried. Now he all he does is say, hey, governors, you need to, you need to do the mask mandate because he himself can't do anything about it. Uh, there's this very, there's this separation of, in, in like it's kind of like a try try uh ah, fuck it, i won't try to get into that but it's like there's a difference between the federal government the state government and private enterprise like they're three separate entities that really can't affect one another and can't legislate over one or the other and can't require one thing over the other uh so if for instance the federal government required it you see a lot of these chain organizations such as Menards uh, for instance or Costco they require it at the corporate level which means regardless of what the state says uh, for instance uh, Kentucky just took away the mask mandate from the governor they said no you can't do that anymore we're stripping that that um, executive order that doesn't mean anything because the store still requires you to wear a mask so it's a weird thing uh, with these states. I like what they're doing. I like that they're saying this and they're pushing. And it's very political is what it is. They're saying, no, we won't do it at a government level. But <laughs> private enterprise, we can't control private enterprise in that regard. If they want you to wear a mask or have a vaccine passport in order to buy stuff, they can. We can't really do anything about that. And then the federal government 
we have states' rights, you know, with, in accordance with the Tenth Amendment. Uh, the states are allowed to do whatever the fuck they want as long as it doesn't, um, it's not addressed elsewhere in the Constitution. So it's a fascinating thing to watch. Uh, it's very political. And DeSantis, I like him. I like the guy. Uh, I, think he's a, I think he's a great governor and certainly a trailblazer, and especially with this whole COVID thing. But it's very political. And if you look at it from that perspective, I think you'll realize that, yeah, it's a lot of, dog, it's a lot of like show for nothing. And it's nice. I, I certainly appreciate it. But it doesn't really mean anything in regards to private commerce um other than i mean he could he could sit there and say no you have to have the covid passport but just like the mask mandate shit i would go into stores and a lot of these mom and pop stores they didn't make you wear the mask they didn't care and then if somebody came down and said hey why aren't you having people wear masks they're like go fuck yourself that's why and there was nothing that they could do because again the mask mandates are not even legally binding so it's, it's, if you look into stuff like that and you start kind of like looking at the authority a lot of these things have and like what they actually do, you start to realize it's a lot of show for nothing. And a lot of the stuff that we worry about is a lot of show for nothing. So it's kind of, it's a double-sided sword there in that regard. Uh, boy, oh boy. Oh, and then Mike said about the Dominion, the Dominion voting system. Again, that's like a, a fascinating um, kind of like just thing that dropped uh, a coincidence right that it dropped at the time that we were already kind of like on the lookout for biblical prophecy and then the dominion was the voting company that happened to be the one that fucked us because they cheated the system but and then megabit finally megabit always always uh bringing us home megabit banshee says maybe they do it to get someone to act out so they can push more gun laws or something and i think that's a good point too i actually had like this theory about the whole um you know we already know that the cia does a lot of this uh stuff with the shooters and they they will do these false flag events and stuff like that and that's why um I wish I remembered the point I was going to make about that, but we see we're seeing it now, and it makes me wonder why they bothered with a Syrian guy and a black guy when they have you know we we see the white guy that shot up the the nail salons or whatever or the massage parlors. Uh, see, I'm I'm being racist now because I said nail salon, which are typically also run by uh, Asian women, uh, but he went and shot up the the massage parlors as part of, and that just so happened to be along with like the Asian uh, the Asian hate campaign that supposedly was going on and then yeah. as soon as a Syrian and we we heard about it for at great lengths we heard constantly shooting uh, mass shooting mass shooting oh my gosh oh they're crazy these white people and then as soon as the fucking as soon as it was a Syrian guy and they found out that it was a Syrian guy just dropped out of the news as soon as they found out it was a black guy that stormed the Capitol building, dropped out of the news. Anytime it's not a white guy, like if you hear it's a white guy, you'll hear about it for two fucking weeks. If it was a black guy or a Syrian guy or a Hispanic guy, it'll drop out. of. Oh, that was the other thing. It was a Hispanic guy, right, out in um, California in Orange. Was he even forgot about that one? And he was a mass yeah. shooter, too. Dropped out of the news as soon as we found out it was not a white guy. 
Uh, so it makes me wonder, like, that. I guess that was probably one of my arguments against the CIA being, being the ones behind those was because you would think that the CIA would, like, go and find a white guy if they were trying to drum up uh, anti-white sentiment. Um, but maybe it's also just because gun laws. But, again, that doesn't, that doesn't fit that narrative because it drops out of the news. All of a sudden, we don't hear about it anymore. When's the last time you heard about any of those people? Well, I mean, no. bigger picture, though, like when you when you look at the whole all the evidence of what's going on and like consider the fact that, you know, it's communism, you know, that's that's all there is to it is they have to keep us subjugated and they have to like all of it is to prevent prevent uprising. Right. Everything from gun laws to, you know, making sure that we don't rise up to, you know, making sure that we have to be dependent on them for everything. You know, um, that's the goal. Right. Of communism. If you think about the extreme left wing, that's what that is. And so if you put that in perspective, then you go through all the events over the past couple months, just, you know, just the past couple months, and you go, well, yeah, that's what they're doing is they're just trying to keep us from, you know, not liking communism. I, I don't know, dude. Whatever it is, it's it's not good right now. And and it it's funny, you brought up that Asian hate stuff because when I first started talking to Sharon, when we first started talking, um, she was telling me about she's never been to the US and she was telling me about how her ex-boyfriend was telling her how dangerous it is, it is for dangerous it is for uh, Asians to be in America right now oh, yeah, yeah. And this, this was even before the Asian hate hashtag right because I met her before all that so maybe like a year ago I want to say um, not not don't quote me on that you know she'll have to tell you but like he was making her think that like it was super dangerous for asians so when she started talking to me and i started kind of pitching the idea you should come visit she was like oh but it's so dangerous and this this and that and i was like what like no it's it's not dangerous <laughs> like you're not gonna be like you know you're not gonna walk into a grocery store and someone go it's an asian you know attack them or something you know that's that happens in like these areas where it's all um propaganda and that's that's what it is there's these little group of people you know out there go, not where i live i live in like a middle class area you know where people they don't that they don't subscribe to that shit you know what i mean and and you don't have to worry about that i said even then even then i'm gonna be with you and i'm not gonna stand for any of that shit like at all you know period you know not to mention you know if anybody tries to attack her that's gonna be me flying off the handle and you know delivering cold steel unto their throats <laughs> you know what's so funny to me about um how like the middle class gets demonized uh i'm middle class right um and i live in a middle class neighborhood and there are black people who live here there are hispanic people my wife is hispanic uh there right. are people of all races there are asian people here uh, in our neighborhood in our subdivision and you'll never hear a bit of like hateful racism right and we kind of talked about this like the difference between yeah. racism and hateful racism like going and spraying a swastika on somebody's garage because they're jewish or going and writing the n-word on somebody's house or whatever or on their driveway uh that sort of stuff right um you'll never see that in, in a middle class neighborhood you'll yeah. see it in poor neighborhoods and yeah, you'll exactly. see it in rich neighborhoods but you'll yeah. never see it in the lower upper and regular middle class uh, and it's and it, people will demonize the middle class and be like, oh, these white, these conservative Christian white males, straight white males, uh, they're they're so hateful. And yeah, we'll say racist things because it's funny, or we'll joke about it, but we would never go out and like kill somebody for their race or their uh, sexual orientation or whatever. 
we, we don't do that. Like that's never the yeah. people who do it. It's always people who come from like super poor, uh, like society or like super yes, rich right? areas. Um, yeah. So that, that's always struck me really? as kind yeah. of like funny. And they yeah, never that's... like the CIA never pulls the, uh, the the middle class guys to do these jobs because it's always like the people from poor neighborhoods who's got nothing to lose. Yeah. Uh, that's a good dude. Yeah. So I don't know, man. And like people are like they demonize the wrong people um middle class we just like want to be left alone is, is all yeah. it is and it, like the rich people are like oh by god we're being taxed to high heaven and yeah ah, whatever like middle class people are like please i just want to be able to like live that's it that's all i want yeah like i don't want anything great yeah and then the absolutely. poor people are like but i want you to pay for my shit uh this is like whatever the dynamic is between all the different so, uh, societal classes is it's fascinating and i think yeah. some good study could probably be done about the i was i was just gonna say that would be a good study yeah that'd be really good especially current with our like modern way of living and like social media and all that stuff and how like um what what is the the phrase the I, and i quote correct me if i'm wrong the is it marxism that's the the bourgeois and the proletariat right yeah, that's all that's communism that's part of i don't remember which type of communism it is there's plenty of different there's so many different types of communism i think it's marxism and marxism and all that bullshit. Um, but the, it's interesting because there's still like semblance of that you know me i'm always like people aren't equal dude like it like we had like the sophia argument right we talked about the other day which was a really fun just like a lot of people missed out the uh let me chill the discord again if you if you haven't checked out our discord check it out sometimes tom and i we go in there and we do these antics and then every now and then we have these deep conversations that are like very fulfilling like it was funny this question came up and it was like you know what how would you react right and it's proposed to this ai sophia this artificial intelligence how would you handle this situation and so i brought i brought it to the table to the discord i said what do you guys think about this and then tom and i had this long discussion about all of it like okay the robot we we came to the conclusion that the robot made the right decision but the moment that you ask questions about these individuals in the scenario they become valuable or have value right and that's when you can start deciding who lives, who gets to live, and who gets to die. But when you don't know their value, they're just fucking nobody. So what? What? Why would you intervene in this situation if you don't know nothing about them? It's better to just step back and go, I don't, I don't want anything to do with this. Don't, don't make me a part of this. Whereas if the, all the information, like I, my mind was, okay, it's five, five murderers on the train track, and then one. Uh, the guy that cures for cancer, the, the guy that cures cancer is on the other train track, right? And the scenario is the train is going and you can save either the the five or the one. And so what do you pick? And in the scenario for Sophia, that wasn't determined who these people were. It was just there's people, right? And so I added this. I said, here's, here's that. And, and then when you think about that, you go, well, it's a no brainer. I save, you know, the, the guy that cures cancer. But then you, the more variables you add, you go, well, also the guy was kind of a child molester. He cures cancer, but he was a child molester. Then you go, oh, <laughs> right? Then you go, ah, I don't know, right? You start having all these moral dilemmas. And that gray, and I love that part where the gray area comes up where you go, Ugh, I have to answer this question now. I have to, and in that situation, that moment when you have to decide the fates of these people, you go, what is the right decision and who deserves to live? And, and, and you know me, like any scenario where I get to play God, I'm going to love it, right? And so 
and so in that like this long like like conversation that Tom and I had about it, we came to the conclusion that this robot, first of all, made the right decision, right? And then second of all, like we are nearing this like crazy future where we have we're going to have to start answering the toughest philosophical questions of all time because of AI and because they're making us answer these questions, right? That's why I said, I said, technology is going to determine our philosophy, dude. Like, that's what it is. Like, right then and there, the moment that this thing that comes out that's controversial, we're going to have to address that. That's why I was like, um, the, what do you call the unpopular argument is being for stem cell research. And I've always been like, I, I think it's a good thing. Like, when you look at all the benefits of stem cell research and like, yeah, but it's like baby, uh, you know, spines or whatever that you got to draw from. And it's kind of like, oh, but people are still aborting babies. So let's just get the babies that are being aborted. And it's such a taboo topic to talk about and go, well, we have to answer it because this could be our future here. And then and then you take it a step further with our technology and you start talking about um, DNA and genetic uh, alterations and like tapping into our own like biology and being able to like adjust all that thing designer babies and like getting rid of disease because we can target the genetic you know whatever um and you go now we have to start answering is it right is it morally whatever for us to go yeah we're gonna literally play god right which is what back to the robot stuff is what we're doing when we get this ai and we start creating robots we're gonna go do these ro like we have to right you have to go do these robots deserve the same rights as humans? Can a robot be raped, right? Like, like right? Like, we all know, like, believe it or not, and whether you choose to believe it, there will be sex bots one day, you know, which I'm sure is an exciting, like, an exciting thought for people out there. There will be sex bots, and there's going to be a time when somebody uh, does something to a sex bot that they go, now we have to answer this question. Now we have to go, is a robot, does a robot have rights? right and to me that's the point when we go we're giving something that we created that we gave life to this um what do you call it um ethos or like a uh, code like we talked about asimov's law right from that book um in the movie the famed <laughs> yeah, with uh starring will smith um were there these like set guidelines that robots have to go through like you can't what is the first law like you can't kill a human or no harm to humans can do no all right and then there's like other ones that just basically solidify that first yeah. one and so i just find that fascinating where we're coming into an era where all those questions are going to come up and and right now we're sitting in this era where it's like are you allowed to be trans and whatever and can we have this and we're sitting here going these are the gayest questions like literally the gayest questions that we have to answer we got to answer them you know and some somehow this majority has ruled that it's okay and we can sit back and go whatever but those are going to bring up like even that annoying crap is going to bring up other questions because then you start going to the technological fact that what if we get to the point where we can alter a human's genes and go you're actually a woman now like we changed your genetic code, we changed all that, and now you are the woman version of you, right? That's what like the mRNA that, stuff is, right? And and we're we're leading into an area an era now where, and I have this, and this is like my imagination running wild. I have this vision of a future where we can alter our genetics so much that people have combined genes, and they're going, I kind of always wanted to have bat wings, and so now you have these humans walking around 
with like genetic alterations <laughs> and they have the abilities of like tigers and panthers and bats and eagles but also like retain like some humanoid appearance because they're getting genetic alterations like tattoos now or something right like that i think it's interesting to think about you know i love that kind of stuff that is um actually the topic of the documentary the island of dr moreau uh, oh yeah good movie. <laughs> i've seen well, it i've actually the one with, with val uh, kilmer not the original with val kilmer yeah and marlon brando where he goes uh, uh on earth my son you'll yeah, be different oh, yeah yeah uh, the godfather <laughs> hey it's a me i'm dr moreau <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I was doing Superman one when he tells the on Earth you, you'll be different. <laughs> so here's there's some stuff in the chat. There's a lot of stuff that's been going on in the chat, and I want to address it, and I will. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. But I do want to make the point that I made on Twitter for the people who don't follow us on Twitter, uh, and it, and it's in line with your your talk about Sophia, which by the way, my my shot glass I had bumped it a little bit earlier, so some of it had fallen out, so I filled up the difference here. <laughs> I'm, I'm, oh, yeah. I don't want Mike to call me out later. So to, to Sophia, while we're on the topic again, preemptive new shot. Yeah, I got you. Um, here's the thing. Sophia has an attitude that we all need to adopt because she removes herself from situations that are not her problem or ones right. that she can't. And that is, it's not that she removed herself from something that wasn't her problem. It's just something that she couldn't do based off of her prime directives. And, um, off of her rules, which, by the way, the did you know that the um, that iRobot book is part of a trilogy? It's iRobot, uh, or it's part of the same universe at least. The same author wrote three books on robots. Um, it was iRobot, Bicentennial Man, and one other robot movie. I can't remember. Uh, but Bicentennial, really good. I just watched that recently. Yeah. Robin Williams, and it was great. And that, and that brings up the point about uh, robots being able to vote because he becomes human in the end essentially in the same way that like a trans person becomes the other gender like there's still that original thing they're just an ultra feminine version of a male or an ultra masculine version of a female so he was an ultra human version of a robot uh, but he was not a human so i don't think he would have been entitled to he was not bestowed so your rights uh and a lot of people forget this your rights are not given to you by the government they were given to you by your creator and they are to be protected by the government and that's what the bill of rights is about so it's Remember not how that... That... he gets he gets he gets it he does okay. it's, it's when he dies it's right before he dies that he gets it he gets because he tries once he tries once and they deny him and then finally like he lives this full life with his wife and then he dies and they give it to him when he dies it was because like his old lady's uh, daughter that he ends up yeah. banging or whatever. The logic married. was, this is, how, this is how they determined it, and I'm ruining this movie for all of you, um, was that because he, he couldn't die, he could not be living. And so what he did was he did this thing where it made it possible for him to go full-on human, replace all his parts with human parts or synthetic human parts and be able to die. And he dies. He dies. And so they grant it to him, which is like this ironic twist of, you know, whatever. But it was, it was interesting. Like an interesting thought, right? Like, are we living? And that's that's that philosophical question for the ages. To be alive, you have to know death, right? Rant. The other Rant. thing. <laughs> yeah. No, I said, yeah. Not, not meh. Uh, yeah. The other thing that was brought up in the chat, and this was. Oh, no, no, no. Let me, let me finish what I was saying. Um, 
So she removes herself from this thing because that was her, her, her prime directive didn't allow her to participate in this event. So like, even because the the trolley incident is you do nothing and it runs over five, but if you pull the lever, it only runs over the one. So you have to act, and either way, you're culpable for what happens because you've not done anything. So technically, you killed five people. Uh, but she says. I can't even be a part of that because I'm not allowed to be. So you can't put me in that situation. Uh, it's like a logical fallacy is basically what it ends up being, where she's like, you can't put me in that situation because it violates my prime directive. So at that point, it's on you to do something. That This is not my problem. It is your problem. And what I talked about the other day was I can separate the things in my life into two categories, my problems and not my problems. And I will, at any opportunity, mentally push something into the not my problem category. This is very much like the, um, uh, the serenity prayer, you know, uh, God grant me the, um, the wisdom to recognize the things that I can change. Talk about the things... alcoholics anonymous yeah. prayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The things that I can change, the things that I can't change, and the wisdom to know the difference between the two. It was the it was the opening of a movie I just saw. They did that. What movie was that? Dr. It's the I don't know. yeah I, I forget, but it was the the alcoholics anonymous prayer. It's called the Serenity Prayer. Uh, the Serenity. Prayer. That's what it is. And the um, so that's the thing that I do is like. If I can put something in the not my problems category, I will. Because if I can't change it, I'm not gonna worry about it. If it's not something that I'm supposed to be messing with, kind of like time traveling, like you're not supposed to go back, you're not supposed to change things in the past. If yeah. it's not something I'm supposed to do, then I'm not gonna do it. Uh, and if everybody just focused on the things that were their problems, because there's going to be some overlap, there's going to be some things that are your problems that are also somebody else's problems. So there's going to be some, uh, you're going to drop some things and somebody else is going to pick them up, right? So if you just worried about your problems uh, and the things that are legitimately your problems, there would be no problems because everyone would just be doing what they, there would be no worries. You wouldn't be worried about shit all the time. Right. Uh, so that that's my take on it and so i think you and i were discussing this because somebody uh it was it, it was some relationship issue somebody had that they brought to my attention they, they brought up to me and i said honestly that's just not my problem so i'm not going to, i put that into the not my problems category. Yeah. yeah now it's a weird thing because um there are times like okay so if you're going through some kind of trouble that is bothering you that's not my problem, technically. But if you bring it to my attention and ask for my help, it becomes my problem. Now, when right. I use the word problem, I'm not saying necessarily it's a bad thing. It's just something that I have to deal with. Yeah, a uh, solved puzzle, if you will. Right. So if you bring something to me, it has become my problem. And I will help you get through it, even though it's your problem. But it's been presented to me, so it becomes my problem, and I'm going to help you get through it. Uh, but... If somebody brings me something and I deal with it to the best of my ability and they walk away from me saying, okay, that works. That's no longer my problem. And there's not much I can, for instance, okay, so it was a situation that was brought up. It was uh, an individual on Twitter. She brought up some problem that she's having with her boyfriend and her boyfriend, um, whatever, they're going through some relationship issues and 
I realized at a certain point, like I did my chaplainy duties, which is what I do. People will bring to me problems and I will help them through it. But the more I thought about it, I'm like, this is still a problem for her, but I have fulfilled my obligation and therefore right. it is right. no longer my problem. Right. That is their problem to deal with. I can only do so much. I can't make yeah, yeah. the relationship better. So of I'm course. not, that's not my problem. My problem was she came to me with, hey, I need help with this situation. Can you explain this to me? Can you kind of like help me wrap my head around this and maybe uh, provide some kind of counseling? I've dealt with my problem. That's no longer my problem. Whatever chaos is going on in their relationship is not my problem to be worrying about. And if I sat up thinking about other people's problems, I would never sleep. I would never get, you know, that's why most of you have fucking problems with depression and anxiety is because you sit there and you worry about shit that really doesn't affect you and it, it's not yeah. your problem so just drop it uh just let somebody else deal with it mentally <laughs> you have to remove that problem from your plate and realize that it's somebody else's problem so that you can focus on your problem and that's where you get into trouble because you start abdicating your duties which are your problems because you're worried about somebody else's problem. Stop it. Like, just get yeah. over it. Don't worry about that shit. Somebody else, let somebody else worry about it because they're going to anyways. Uh, but that, that that was my whole point. And with her doing that, I, that was the same thing that I had. When, if somebody presented that situation to me, I don't have prime directives, right? I would look at it this way. I would say, logically, if you're just telling me five people are on the track versus one person on the track, that's all the information that I have. Logically, I have to flip the switch because kill one person, save five. That's a math problem. Like, there's no, like, that's five families that are not going to be affected versus one family that's going to be affected. Now, if you start presenting all this other information, my decision might change. Uh, like you said, if the guy cured cancer or is going to cure cancer, that's a no-brainer. I'm going to let it run over the five people, uh, especially if those five people are just like, again, the example that we talked about was the Elon Musk versus the George Floyds. If it's five George Floyds and one Elon Musk, I'm going to save the Elon Musk because he has a higher value, um, yeah. Yeah. the societal value. And that's when people... Obje so like it becomes the objective subjective argument of uh, subjectively so objectively people have no value if you look at a person it, logically you're like well the planet is overpopulated Thanos saw that he said the yeah. universe was overpopulated there weren't enough resources we need to get rid of half the people or half the beings in the universe okay that's a reasonable thing to assume if you can remove yourself from that logically uh, and, and retain an objective standpoint on it, that's fine. That's easy to do because it becomes a numbers game. But if everybody has subjective value, uh, because to me, my family has value to, I don't and I use the example of Jay Coop's uh, uh, friend who doesn't even know me or know of me or know of, certainly not of my family. They're, they have no subjective value to him. So he could easily hear, oh, five people or four people died. Who cares? Those are just numbers. And then you see that when you watch the news or you read the news, you'll see 
the example I provided, it was like 50 people in a train crash in Taiwan. Uh, I said, if they wanted us to subjectively care about these people, they wouldn't have worded the headline to look like the beginning of a math problem, where it says, you know, if a train leaves the station going 100 miles an hour and crashes and 50 people die, that's essentially what these headlines saying, uh, train in Taiwan crashes, leaves 50 dead. It's essentially a math problem is what it looks like. So subjectively, they have no value, but objectively, or I'm sorry, subjectively, they have a value to somebody. I don't know who, but objectively, who cares? It's 50 people in a planet of 7 billion. Uh, that inconsequential to drop in a bucket so that, that's kind of like my opinion on the matter i would just look at it as a numbers game until somebody gives those people subjective value um and sophia had the right idea she's like well don't put me in that situation you can't put me in that situation because it breaks my prime directive i would just have to shut down it's probably what would happen is she would just have to shut down because if somebody said hey here's the situation they out, lay out the situation, she'd shut down because it's it becomes a robot um, fallacy. A robotic fallacy. Yeah. Um, you know what I'd do? You know what I'd do in that situation? You would you would back it up and then run over the other one? <laughs> <laughs> no, I would keep hitting the switch. Like, I'd keep hitting the switch over and over and over until, like, it just, like, broke. And then the train would go off the tracks. That, or I would do the thing from Spider-Man. Remember when he's holding onto the train? He's like... Ugh. I would do. No. That's a bus no, that he does it to. It was a train. Oh, was it? With the webs, remember? And he's almost off the rails. And I thought it was. On, I'm man. thinking of the comic, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um. <laughs> what else? No, it's like that one. It's like that one issue of Batman when he lets Alfred drive <laughs> the Batmobile. Yeah, he lets Alfred drive. I uh, like on. You haven't watched the Snyder Cut yet, no, have you? I haven't. I don't have oh, that man. kind of time in a day. <laughs> There's this great scene when when Batman introduces Alfred to the Justice League, and he goes, he goes, this is Alfred, he's my boss. <laughs> I love that joke because it reminds me of remember on the uh, the Dark Knight when he's like he's like I suppose you'll tell him that I helped you, and he goes he goes I'm gonna tell him it was your idea. <laughs> I love that joke because Alfred has like always had his back, you know, but then kind of told him like oh, maybe this isn't a good idea. And then the first thing that uh, uh, Muslim Bale does is rat him out, or like try to like turn on him and stab him in the back. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna tell him it was your idea. So, so what else do we have for the next twenty minutes? The chat. So in the chat, I'm gonna deal with the the easy one first. Um, talking All about right. how abortion. Um, I wrote notes and I can't even read my own notes. It says abortion, how babies. Like I think I started writing something and then I got lost or I got distracted. <laughs> I was uh, hoping we something funny we weren't really funny this episode well no we're all we're, we're, angry we're getting information out and i think we're being silly uh, in the yeah not everything can be funny roger yeah. <laughs> not everything can be, yeah sometimes <laughs> I forgot. that's a um roger man he's like he's he's i relate to roger in a lot of ways especially the gay stuff right um, that's how i feel about bender right now i just finished huge <laughs> drama and that's exactly how i feel about bender He's like a, an idol to me. I'm like, this robot right here is exactly how you should live life, dude. He just yeah, steals. He just and... does his own thing. Yeah. The um, But no, how, how babies, somebody had mentioned that, you had mentioned about the stem cells. Now, yes, there is fetal tissue in the vaccine. 
And one of the there was a pastor of a mega church, right? And it, you should never believe anything a pastor from a mega church says ever, uh, because they're they're basic they're essentially false shepherds. Um, they're they're in the ministry for money, and any minister who is in the ministry for money is mega church. Um, yeah, or I'm sorry, yeah, in, in mega, well, in the ministry in general, if you're trying to, if you're out there like trying to be a minister to make money, there's something wrong with you because there's no money to be made in the ministry, in the legitimate ministry. And now when they do the mega churches, you'll see those guys are the ones who always fuck it up. Like they do it for themselves. Like the one guy who he's like, we need to care for the poor people, but he has like three jets. And then like you've got Joel Osteen who's talking about caring for the the the, the poor and the the hurting and he like locked the doors to the church for the for the hurricane victims and then you've got like um this guy he was like no i understand because somebody mentioned that there were uh, fetal there was fetal tissue in the vaccine and he said well those babies were going to be aborted anyways um <laughs> and so he said you should do it because they're kind of like christ in that they were sacrificed so that others may live right and um I've been having like my own little crisis with abortion. I don't support abortion. There's no way you'll ever convince me that uh, abortion is okay. And I think in in many years to come, depending on the way history is written and who is in charge at the time, uh, we will look back and either think, wow, those people were really barbaric to be sacrificing babies or to be killing babies like that. Or they'll be thinking, I can't believe how backwards those savages were that they weren't willing to kill these fetuses, <laughs> right? It just depends on how history yeah. is, is yeah, yeah. written and who's in charge. Yeah. Uh, so you'll never convince me that abortion is okay, but I have been struggling with, um, is it okay to subject somebody who has Down syndrome? Down syndrome is not a great way to live. I can't imagine. Uh, mm -hmm. Though I love uh, Down syndrome babies, they are so cute. They're adorable. Uh, I have a friend who has a, a daughter who has Down syndrome, and she was just the cutest baby. And I thought, um, they're so happy. But you got to wonder if that's like a meaningful existence for them. And so I've started to like have conflicting feelings about, is it okay to, another example, people who are born and they are born just like so um so retarded like extremely retarded physically and mentally uh, like uh, light speed retarded as they say light speed retarded yeah like just like like stuck in a chair they have to have somebody wipe their ass for 80 years um they just sit and drool all over themselves they don't have meaningful conversation there's no way to know how much they register of the yeah. conversation like, is that fair to do that to them? And what happens when they die? Are the, I, I, I assume, and based on the Apocalypse of Peter, uh, which is one of the lost scriptures, those aborted babies are taken under the care of the caregiving or the, the caretaking angel who raises them and teaches them and treats them well and all that. Um, the, uh, uh-oh. The, um... <laughs> do you see the chat? I did. <laughs> the um, but he, they go to this caretaker angel, right? Just and that. um, they uh, so I, I wonder. Hear my cough? You want me to do it again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
I wonder, is it fair to subject these people, these babies, to that life? Um, and for that reason, do I have any sympathy for people who abort their babies knowing that uh, they're going to be in that position? I don't know. I'm at that, that's the stage of crisis that I'm in, right? Um, but would I get a vaccine? Do I support stem cell research that comes from aborted fetuses? No, because it encourages, um, it encourages abortions. Because then people, it it allows people to use that as a out or like a like a, an excuse to do it. They're like, well, I'm going to abort this baby for convenience, but I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it in such a way that I I take on this like martyr like. Well, I aborted my baby, and my baby went on to create the vaccine, right? Or my baby right. went on to become like a the vaccine. lady at the at the academy is talking about how she had if she hadn't had her abortion, she right. she right. wouldn't have gotten the Oscar or whatever or whatever it was. Yeah, and and like that sort of shit is unacceptable to me. I would never like I would never get stem cell research or stem cell treatment from baby stem cells, right? Um, there are stem cells that you can get from not from babies right there are other ways to get them and and for that like if people are doing that i would i'm totally okay with that i'm totally okay with stem cells in that regard when while they're still pulling from fetuses i don't know how crazy i am about that because stem cell extraction from fetuses is a terrible horrible thing and i think that's one of those things that i think even now we can look back on and we can look at and say that is fucking barbaric like partial birth abortions so that they can harvest stem cells that is terrible and if you look it up if you look up uh, partial birth abortions um you will be disgusted it's you know know what i find funny about about your argument is that uh it's a little contradictory to your previous humans don't have uh humans aren't okay uh, no no no. i agree i agree because it's it's interesting and like i and i'm contract like i think like i've you know i've talked about this before but i've dated a few girls that have had abortions and like the earliest one we were 20 years old and i was like look i don't have a job but i'll do whatever it takes you know if you want to have this baby but she was like catholic and like her parents were like super strict and she was like no i'd rather have an abortion than have an un you know, an unwedded child, right? Like that was her logic. And so she had this abortion. And so now my stance on it is like, well, it's not even my right to choose what a part, what happens in, with the child anyways. So does that mean that I can't have a, an opinion of it or whatever? And that obviously not, like I can still have an opinion, but like I, I have this gray area on abortion. And like, I think like you do, like when we talked about um, the Sophia thing and like humans, they're not, they don't have value until you explain who they are or what their value is. If they're just a number, then they're just a number. And so when I look at it like that, like logically, then that open up opens up all these questions like, well, there are a lot of things that the benefits, right? Like I start to put the pros of stem cell research and like all these things, like being a man that's balding, like we could probably grow hair back or like cure diseases and all these other things. And I go, what's, why not? That's what I think, you know? And then like, I think about things like, if I ever got cancer or AIDS, God forbid, or some disease, and they were like, here is a fucking baby fetus. If you eat the brain of this baby, you'll cure your disease. I would go, all right, where's the past the fucking barbecue sauce, right? Like, I'll fucking do it. And that, and that's like, and obviously, <laughs> obviously don't go quoting me on that. But like, 
I would do it, I think. And like, it's crazy to think about that because, you know, there's so many facets. Like, first of all, babies are like the veal of humans. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> babies are like the veal of humans. So already I'm going, well, it's probably like at least tender. Like, it's probably good meat. Second of all, they have no fucking purpose in life. They're just babies, so they're not going to contribute to society, like looking at it like that. You know, and then the other thing is, is like, who knows if life even has meaning? So what the fuck is the point anyways? You know, like, that's the scariest thing about old age, man. Like, and we were talking about this earlier, too. Like, as a kid, you're just fucking full of piss and vinegar and you don't know what the fuck. And you're just going, oh, I'm just living my life and, you know, puberty or whatever. But then you become this adult and you start learning shit and you start having experiences and you go, oh, I have this purpose. Right. You find purpose or so we think. Who knows? You know. Who's, uh, we're, we're on this, uh, what do you call it, uh, divine plan, you know, which we can never know. Or maybe you do know, maybe God spoke to you, who knows. But in, in, yeah, the, but... In, the in the situation of like normal people, we go, what am I supposed to do, right? The eternal existential question, what, what does my life mean? What is the meaning of it, right? And then when you get to that point, when you've read like, <laughs> like fucking Thus Spake Zarathurst's <laughs> <laughs> and fucking uh, all these other like nihilistic writings and like Nietzsche or whatever and you go oh I don't know maybe life doesn't have any fucking meaning and it's kind of stupid to sit here and try to go it is so important it's so great and then and then you have all these other people in life you know religious folk or spirituals as you, uh, to, to generalize and they're going but it's the afterlife that's important it's the afterlife and this this and that so we got to live our lives this way and so all these moral values that we have to like kind of I don't know. I don't want to say inflict, but like, like imposed on ourselves, right? Like all these moral values that we go, we need to think like this, and we need to have an understanding that that you know, uh, human life is this, and human life is that. And then it begs the question of like children, and like recently, like I, my values have like kind of been shaken about this because you know Sharon has a daughter, Jamie. She's 14 years old. And so with this relationship moving forward with Jamie, it puts me in the aspect of like I will be a stepdad if I marry this woman or when I marry this woman, I will be a stepdad and then and in that aspect I have to start thinking like a father. And so I had all these thoughts and things that I'm seeing are like going, oh my God, like this child is important. And then I watched Bill and Ted and the new one, right? Face the music and I was like, children are so fucking important. Children are so fucking important. Like, it made me realize, right? And I started thinking in the aspect of, like, okay, not just being a father, but I have to have a successor and a fucking protege, someone that, like, I can I can say, you need to carry on my work, and I'm going to mentor you to do that because who knows if I can live forever or not. So it's important for me to pass that knowledge on to you, and it's the only way to, like, achieve some sort of, like, legendary status or have immortality or, or whatever abstract um, nomenclature you want to fucking just slam on that but it's still important because that is what the future is is children right the, they're the ones that are going to grow up and be and then I think about Norm McDonald's joke and he goes he says well we were those children <laughs> we were those children that we were supposed to think about at one time and, it, and then it gets confusing and you go well who is it really important for you know at what point do we go is it me should i just be selfish and think about me or should we go well everybody's important when 
you know, it's all this working together for community to achieve one goal. But when we're running around like douchebags, you know, causing problems for each other and breaking out windows and burning down fucking businesses and like imposing all these laws on each other, we go, why does life need to be like this? You know, especially for those of us who are like borderline hedonists where we go, hey, man, just do what makes you feel good as long as it doesn't fucking bother me. You know what I mean? And I don't know. It's it's a tough moral dilemma for me when it comes to like actual abortion, because I don't know. I, I don't know, man. I don't fucking know. And like, um, I don't know if I want to have kids one day, um, like actually like, you know, pass on my genetics. But if this this relationship works out with Sharon, then I will come into that position of being the, the father of the household or the head of the household and have to impart something to this girl, you know, this to Jamie, you know, Sharon's daughter. And I'll have to do that in a way where I'm not a douchebag, you know, not somebody that she goes on and goes, well, that guy that took care of me and my mom was a real asshole. You know, that's the last thing I want. Of course, I always go back to like, we don't do things like selflessly i don't i don't believe that humans do things selflessly and they can claim that like i'm doing this because it's good for them and blah blah blah, blah. a lot of times and, and my aunt is guilty of this because she's like the matriarchy of like my dad's side of the family and she does all these great things and everybody thinks she's a saint but i know her because i lived with her and she has this like she gets this satisfaction out of it that like she's in charge because she's done all these things for people and then she holds it over people she uses it to lord over like Remember when I did that for you and I did all this for you? And then they're kind of in her debt, you know, without having to be like, uh, I don't know, like uh, persuaded because they just have to. Like, well, she helped me when I was down and out, so now I owe it to her. And so it's kind of like this reverse selflessness, you know what I mean? And so I think of that when it comes to like, like being a parent, you know, which I don't know. And like, you'll have to like, you know, give me your opinion on this as a father, you know, because you have these kids and you're going, and I remember you telling me, you said, when I, before I had kids and when I had a baby, I didn't know, I didn't think of it as that, like as father was just like, well, it's a baby and you got to take care of it. And it wasn't until a certain point that you were able to go, this is fucking huge. And like, I, here I am going, well, I may be like a stepfather one day. And so now I have to think like this and now I have to do this. And I'm understanding this like value and importance of our, our children, right? The future generation and what I want to pass on to the future generation, because that's how you do it. It's either that or, you know, my long-term goal of making movies and telling everybody how I feel through, you know, cinema and visual media, you know? So um, I, I'm interested to know what you think about that, like what your perspective is um, in that aspect. So you just unloaded a lot of them. I feel like that redheaded chick from uh, the press school. I when I rant. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, so, yeah. so let me start out by saying this. You you said, talked about my my, um, uh, what the hell is it called when you when you hold two opinions? My double think, right? My uh, yeah, we right. call it double think because I I hold two different opinions. Humans are objectively worthless. I uh, and at the same time, babies are ultra valuable just as a baby. Babies don't really contribute anything societally, right? Uh, they don't do anything for society as a baby. They don't do anything for society as a baby. Um, but they drain on... They, in fact, hold a negative value to society because they pull a woman out of the workforce, uh, assuming she works. 
they are a drain on the on like a family's um, income a great deal. They're very expensive. Babies are not cheap. Anyone who has kids will tell you that they're everything that you were spending money on. Uh, you know, you've got like uh, this is a um, a business term, a dink, uh, dual income, no kids. When you've got right. a family structure where it's just the man and the woman. Um, when you've got a two ink, I know, I have to say it though, legally I'm required to, um, or an Apache helicopter and an asexual, uh, but when you, whatever the nonsense genders are. Yeah. What is the joke um, when a man loves a woman and a midget and a, a <laughs> behind an, behind a Walgreens and the dumpster yeah. covered And there's oil. a slip and slide. Yeah. Um, but and two dual income, no kids, uh, <laughs> The amount of money you have as that couple is it's insane like you, you look back i look back at mine and my wife's life before we had kids it's just money wasn't an issue because we never thought about it because it just didn't matter um, right we, just, we had it we had money at all times to just do whatever the fuck we wanted um and then when we had kids my our focus shifted entirely to the children and the money all went to the children we went into a, a fair amount of debt just because of the kids um, and we we kind of goofed because we had two boys we had our first our first two sons and we were done we were not going to have any more kids and then one day as wives will do as mothers <laughs> will do they say you know i know that we weren't going to have any more kids but you know i kind of want to have another kid and so we did we decided we were gonna, we would have another kid if, if yeah. we were so blessed as to become pregnant again and we did immediately because I'm ultra potent and, uh, you know, yeah, I make, I make boys and I make them on the first try. Like there was no <laughs> trying to have kids. It was just, we want to have kids. Okay. Got That's it. something to be proud of dog. Um, and, uh, which is why just I joke on all cylinders. Dog. I, I joke with people all the time. I was like, I can't masturbate like in a hotel because there will be like two, three rooms down. Those women will all become pregnant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's so a good one. They, um, but yeah, we had gotten rid of all of our baby stuff with uh, Dayton, uh, who's been on the show before. You, you've met him before. Um, and I know you've met him personally. But Dayton, we were done. We got rid of everything. And even the crib and all the baby baby clothes and all sorts of stuff and then we decided to have another kid so we ended up going into further debt because we had to buy all the shit again and um so you you will go into a considerable amount of debt if you're not prepared for having kids right. and formula is not cheap diapers are not cheap wipes are not cheap all the fucking toys and the clothes are not cheap um and there's a lot of money to be made in actually like providing those services and those those products uh but i think um, having kids is the greatest thing. Being a dad is the greatest thing I've ever done. Uh, having kids is the best decision I ever made. I love my kids. Uh, they drive me absolutely fucking crazy sometimes, but I love them to pieces. And and there's nothing that I wouldn't do for them. Like when people talk about, you were talking about being selfless. There's nothing I wouldn't do for my kids. If if it came down to, um either you die or one of them dies i would gladly sacrifice myself no matter how uh, like painful you know, 
I and I I'm not I know like I I may have told you or said this to you before, but I was telling my dad one time about when I went to visit you when we weren't in DC that one time in that one month. Right, right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, the last time I went to visit you was the first time I got to see you physically as a father. For 13 years, I knew you as Tom the fucking Muldoon that went around town throwing water balloons with me. Like right. we were just a couple kids, right? And like I and like when I saw that, like one of the things that like blew my mind, first of all, and also like changed me was first of all, was like how happy Leslie was. She was so happy and so like way different than what I remember her, like way different, like happy and just like and I thought, you know what? She's happy because Tom is giving her this wonderful life and these kids, they're so like smart and like well behaved. And like it was such a crack up to me to see that because I, I how I know you. Right. But then it gave me this perspective that it was like, well, Tom and I are so much alike that like, if I were a father, I bet it would be the same. You know, and, and for a long time I had this like stigma where I was like, man, like my dad ran out when I was a kid and like, I probably would be a shitty father and I come from a long line of shitty fathers. And like, you know, that's part of like the Hispanic genetic, right? And so I've always been concerned. And then like, I saw you and it was really, it was um, for lack of a better word, moving, I was moved. I thought, wow, this is this is crazy to see this scenario, you know, just like surreal even, you know, especially Leslie was the one that really surprised me, though. I was like, wow, she's so happy. And like she's just donned that whole like uh, soccer mom thing, you know, and it was impressive. Right. <laughs> I was really like, this is like, wow, this is what eight years, you know, or however many years, 13, 13 years. Whatever it was. I don't know. I'm bad at yeah, 13. 13 years, 13. <laughs> I don't know, but you get what I'm getting at. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to like puff up your ego or anything. I'm just saying like that, that was something that like I noticed that was like shocking, you know, and I'm not around kids that often, you know, at all. And I was so surprised like how individual, um, how individually each one of your sons had like specific personality traits of you and your wife. And it was so like clear, like uh, I was so surprised with Dayton because he was so like, I don't know, borderline emo, you know, like very like yeah. distant, <laughs> like he had his Bieber haircut. And it was so funny to me that like you spawned that, but then it made sense. It made sense looking at like the hierarchy of your sons, you know, like it made sense. Like, well, that's naturally what he would go into. And it, it's so funny. Like it cracked me up so much to see that and then see your personality in your sons. And it really, it kind of made me long for that. Like to think like, I wonder what it would be like to have my own, you know, uh, someone of my genetics that I would go, look at you. I, I taught you that, you know, at the very least. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I feel like, there has to be some satisfaction in that and, and you of all people would know so you know seeing that was just one of those things that i was like hmm what do you know um that I, what, what i was driving at earlier was and thank you for all those things those kind things that you said um but i did even when they were born and i think you even mentioned this briefly uh even when they were born i didn't feel an emotional attachment to my kids right when they were born it was almost like when and i think we've discussed this before uh it's almost like somebody just walks into your life you don't immediately feel an attachment to that person right uh, yeah. mothers do sometimes and sometimes they don't and they call that postpartum depression and that results in that too um i think there's a lot of psychological shit that comes with like oh i don't feel any attachment to this child and now that i don't have this life inside of me i lost that that piece of me and there's a lot of postpartum <laughs> stuff that comes from 
but for a dad, all of a sudden somebody has been introduced to your life that you have to take care of. That is your responsibility, but you don't have what the mother had, like growing inside of you for nine months. You just right. have somebody dropped on your in your arms, like, hey, here you go, dad. Um, this is this new person that you have to develop an attachment to. And so it took a great deal of time for, for, um, for me to feel that, like to actually love my children legitimately. And um, the, uh, so I, I tell people that a lot, like when a lot of like expectant fathers, when they ask me about it, I'm like, don't feel bad if you don't feel an emotional attachment right away to this child, because they're just a person they're like a cute little person and even before i was a father before my first son was born i think i could give a fuck about kids i didn't i just i straight up did not care about kids and babies and people would show me their baby oh isn't he cute i'm like no it's just a baby they all look the same uh but once i had my own children i realized the value of children like you were talking about a little bit ago and somebody said in the chat um King Cracker actually said, uh, babies are an investment in the future. And this right. is my dichotomy between humans are objectively worthless and babies are awesome, right? Um, yeah. Babies are to be cherished and cared for. and But because they're the most vulnerable, first of all, babies are awesome. I love babies now. Like, babies are the best. People can show me pictures of their babies now, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's ah. Or somebody, like, hands me their baby, and I'm like, oh, I love babies. And, you know, like, just they're, they're so cool like and it, it's it's the miracle of life too right because it's like all of a sudden you've got like a you created this new human and uh you know you just get it's very exciting to to think about that the miracle of life and babies are just plus they have this potential right they have so when we talk about the objective and subjective value of a human baby or of a human uh, i think as a baby they have this unlimited value that is immeasurable because they we don't know it's it's they are the they have this number of whatever their value is and we don't know what it is we know yeah, what george floyd's value yeah. is that is a really good perspective it's uh, like they're um they're like the infinity or like something right. that doesn't have you can't give value to yet or they're so valuable that it's impossible to put value on them right that's a, so, yeah that's a beautiful sentiment dude actually that's yeah we know what the value was of george floyd right <laughs> yeah so he was worthless he ate yeah, a bunch worthless. of drugs before he got choked out by a cop he was gonna die anyways uh and fuck him because he held a gun to yeah. a pregnant mother's ba- belly and yeah. so that that too you can understand like now well, i mean i know you understood then but like you can appreciate that if somebody threatens a baby or a pregnant mother so a baby because to me a baby is it's a human being from the moment of conception um now to the degree to which i am willing to look the other way um it becomes a like a, again a numbers game like if you do it before 12 weeks i'm gonna have a hard time like calling you a piece of shit because at that point it's still really really early and the whole argument about whether or not um and again the reason for your abortion too 
Uh, so if it's just a matter of convenience, I'm going to call you a piece of shit if it's day one. Like if you take the abortion right. pill like the day after, or the morning after pill. If it's just a matter of convenience, I'm going to call you a piece of shit. Uh, because you knew that you didn't prepare, right? If you take the birth control pill, that prevents pregnancy. That prevents a baby from being, like, it prevents conception. Uh, so you're not killing a baby by taking the birth control pill. Uh, right. But if you conceive a baby, or if you're not careful, and you allow a life to potentially be conceived, and then you take the abortion pill the morning after so that, like, it flushes out, that could have been a life that you just killed. Um, we don't know, but it probably it could have been. Um, and then, I mean, especially if you're, like, late-term abortions and second trimester and shit I'll, I'll gladly call somebody a piece of shit if they abort a baby for convenience especially at that point because you knew like you had all this time to prepare for it you had plenty of choice in the whole argument about my body my choice uh being pro-choice you had plenty of choices you could have gotten on the pill you could have worn a condom you could have like i said I'm, I'm willing to look the other way to some degree uh for like somebody who gets like an abortion doesn't tell me about it like how am I going to know? I'm not going to call you a piece of shit if you do it behind my back. But people who go out and brag about it, that's I'm going to call you a piece of shit. Um, that sort of stuff. At that point, you're snuffing out a human life because you were lazy and you failed to prepare and you failed to plan. Uh, so that sort of stuff pisses me off. Um, but yeah, human life, like as a baby, you are... Um, you have like this unlimited potential and the parents it that's why i blame parents all the time for the failed uh for children who grow up to be bad people because you as a parent have an obligation not only to that child but to society to raise your child in a way that they will provide meaning or like some kind of meaningful contribution to society and if you fail to do that um, that's on you as much as it is the child. Oh, as, as if it's a child, I'm, I'm going to blame the parent before I'll blame the child. As an adult, if I look at your backstory and I find out that it was the parents, I'm still going to be a little disappointed in you because you should know better. You've existed long enough to know what's right and wrong. Um, and you've been exposed to society enough to know what's right and wrong. But at the same time, I'm going to judge your parents pretty harshly too because they should have taught you. They should have scolded you. And if my kids, God forbid, ever grew up and did something that, like, you know, could be blamed on me, I would expect people to blame me. Because, and that is why I am so stern with my children. I am loving, but I am stern with them. And that's why, again, you said, you mentioned them being well-behaved. That is, there's a reason why they're well-behaved. Because I, I exert that uh, fatherly role on them. And I discipline them. And you know, I hit my kids, but I will discipline them and I will correct them when they do something that they're not supposed to do. A lot of parents don't do that, or kids grow up in fatherless homes, and that results in some of the dregs of society that we have now. Yeah. Mothers are no better who force or who like take the children away from the father and don't let the father have any kind of impact. Then you have this nurture, this over nurture with no nature the, the father yeah, has to the nature yeah. and if they don't get yeah. that balance then they grow up to be george floyd and then <laughs> they end up uh, yeah. I, I, I use him as an example because he was a piece of shit 
And there's yeah. no denying there's nothing good about him. And objectively, he had a negative value. Subjectively, he had a negative value. But objectively, too. You could even look at George Floyd and just see what happened and be like, well, that dude... Well, no, I'll say I'll, I'll correct myself. Subjectively, based on what we know, given the circumstances and everything that went into it in his history, subjectively, he was a piece of shit. Uh, so... But as a, as a father, somebody who is entering the role of um, being a stepfather, that's one of the hardest jobs out there. It's harder than being a, a biological father. Um, and it's why I'm so hard on uh, people who are on fathers who are not involved in their children's lives um, and who don't fight for that because that is your responsibility. And I, I you have this obligation to that um and you, you mentioned something earlier too about it's not your right to say or like you don't get a say in whether or not she has an abortion i think the males do i think the males there's a reason why males have uh a say in abortion because females have a say in whether or not the father has to take financial responsibility so if the if the mother can say he owes me child support the father should be able to say well you know women should have to keep my baby they shouldn't be able to uh whatever if i can't have an impact over your uterus you shouldn't have an impact over my wallet um and and some fathers do want the child the mothers don't and that's something that could totally be avoided if people we're more um, adherent to some of these biblical values like we talk about this every once in a while they're just good values to live by uh, because you know if you didn't have sex until marriage or even if you do I'm not I can't sit here and pretend like because I had sex before marriage I'm not gonna sit here and say that I didn't but if if you were to abide by that no sex until marriage you wouldn't have to worry about it um, and at that point, that would be a decision that the mother and the father or the husband and the wife would make together. Like, hey, we are going to have a child. Or, hey, we should take steps to avoid having a child because we're not ready. Um, it's a decision that's made where the woman uh, is submissive and respects the husband. But the husband also respects the wife and treats the wife with that's just again that's just how i deal with my marriage too and even if i wasn't a religious guy i think those are just good traits to have because this is your partner that you chose uh to go through life with you, i mean you could pick anybody um you could you could be with somebody for a while and say you know what i looking forward into the future i see myself going this direction and i don't see you with me I don't see you as a partner who would benefit me in the future. Um, a wife is an investment too. Somebody said children are investments. Uh, it's King Cracker. He said children, babies are investments in the future. A wife is an investment. Uh, you're not going to invest in something that you see as being a failure, right? If you're investing in a business, you're not going to invest in a business that uh, you know makes diapers with a hole in the back. Because that's a stupid business idea. Likewise, you wouldn't invest in, you wouldn't marry a woman who, I don't know, if you want to have kids, you wouldn't marry a woman who's barren. 
um, you wouldn't marry a woman who uh, doesn't have the same values or who doesn't believe in you or treat you like shit. That's an investment. That's a bad investment if you were to marry that woman. Uh, so you would want to marry a woman who is a good investment. Uh, so it's the same. It's the same kind of concept. And anyways, that's that's my. I chose my wife. She chose me. So I chose my wife. I expect her to be a good partner in life. She chose me. It is my obligation to uphold the sort of person that she invested in, right? I don't want to be a shitty investment. So I treat my wife in a way that makes her realize and recognize and appreciate that I am a good investment. Uh, but that's just that's my opinion. That's a good way to look at it. So you want to shill, V? <laughs> since we oh, talked yeah. about pyramids. I guess we should since we didn't we didn't do our actual episode that we were supposed to do. I feel kind of bad for that because this is the second time. <laughs> this is the second time that we can't get through it. But uh, you're right. We had some things we had to talk about today, and there, there were some things that I was on fire about this week that uh, just came up. And like when you when you told me before um, that we were doing the show, I was like, well, I have some gripes that I know I'm going to bring up. And I even told Sharon when I was telling her about the whole thing about, you know, when I was like, well, we probably shouldn't plan a trip this year. And I was like, you know, I'll probably rant about this on the show. I'll probably complain about it. And then I ended up doing that because it is kind of frustrating. As far as shilling goes, um, don't forget to follow us on all the social medias that we have, uh, Twitter and whatnot. Send us messages. We'll reply back. We'll we'll send you messages. Tag us in whatever you think is funny. Um, we like funny memes, so feel free to do that. We have our Discord. Um, I'm really enjoying the Discord because it's a really fun chance to get in there and chat with the buds, um, you know, that come to the show and like also like hang out with us and stuff. And you guys can ask us anything. You know, we'll go we'll get in there and uh, you know have some fun. And there's always some good discussions going on too, or just some memes. There's a specific. A chat room that's just dedicated to memes so you can go in there and just dump all your memes on us and we'll all like and share them um i'm still doing our uh our contest if you if you get us to the 700 subscriber um which we're almost at the the devil number here um 666 once we hit 700 if you take a screenshot of that and dm it to me on twitter um i will send you a shower curtain of your choice from our You Had Me at Bigfoot merchandise. Um, so don't forget, we're still doing that. Um, what else? Buy our buy our merch. <laughs> if you got a hankering for a Bigfoot shirt, there's some great ones out there. My favorite is the J-Coob shirt. Um, I actually bought one, and I wear it all the time. I love it. Um, and then you can even see in some of our uh, memes that we pass around, our favorite Alex Jones is even wearing it. Um, so that's a blast. Uh, what else? Do I got anything else, or is that... Does that cover it? You think? You, you tell me. <laughs> you tell me, dipshit. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, needle dick. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's all I got. I, I guess that's it. I'm excited because we're. Well, I'll give them a little taste of what we're working out. I'll, I'll throw this at, at you guys. Tom and I have decided to move forward with our project, um, our animation project, and I threw out a feeler for animators, and I couldn't get jack shit. Even with all my connections on LinkedIn, of course, a lot of people aren't working right now because of the pandemic, so there's not a lot of people on LinkedIn like looking and checking the feeds as they are other ones. And so I don't, I couldn't get an artist. Well, I got a couple of bites. I got a couple of artists that were like, I'm interested, and they sent me their resumes and their portfolios, and they have like no experience whatsoever. And I was like, I am not going through that again. And so today or the other day, I was thinking, I was like, you know what, dude? 
I need to put my passion project aside and just start working on something that's fun and like jam with Tom and Tom can handle this stuff. And so I threw it at Tom and we decided we're gonna move forward with our civilians project, the show that's about Tom and I, and we're gonna see if we can pitch it. Um, so we're gonna create an animatic. So actually tonight after the show, we're, we're gonna do our little writer's meeting and um, go over episode one, which I have half scripted, um, have not completed, um, but the script, the half script is it, which is funny because we have other episodes fully scripted, <laughs> but the pilot, the actual first episode is not scripted to like, it's not finished. It's, I think it's like um, 10 pages maybe. So I still need another tw 12 pages to finish it out. Um, so we're gonna go over that tonight and talk about some stuff that we can do for that. So hopefully, um, who knows, who knows what's on the horizon for that, uh, that project, but I'm really excited about it because um, it's something that we can do just him and I, just Tom and I, um, so that we can just do like like I looked at it and I was like look dude we can do the art we'll just do an animatic something crude and then we'll do the voices ourselves and it'll be good people think we're funny so that has to translate to this so we should be good and so I pitched it to Tom and he's on board so we're going to move forward with that and um, see where it goes who knows who knows we could end up doing a kickstarter to get it promoted and if we end up doing that of course we'd like you guys to support um if we don't do that and it just so happens that i can reach out to these talent acquisition guys and get us like a good pitch meeting um which i have some connections that i can probably touch base with to find out for sure but um as of right now the word is we are moving forward with a cartoon because that is how i need to get into this industry is to start making cartoons and so um that's, I'm excited about it. I, I know I'm kind of just rambling about that, but I'm excited. I really am excited, dude. Once I started really thinking about this today, I was like, this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun for us. What do you think? I think it's bullshit. <laughs> I think it fucking sucks. Um, no, I agree. I had actually, I mean, we had been doing this for, gosh, a couple of years ago we were working on this and kind of put it off. Uh, I love how in the chat, um, I'm, I'm being called out uh, by. I know I haven't really looked at it. King Cracker. So uh, first of all, I'm gonna I'm gonna call you guys out. King Cracker says that can we get the Discord link or not? Which I which I had seen earlier. Somebody had asked for it, and I meant to give it to you, but I was just gonna put it in the description. It's been in the description of the last few episodes as I did this the, <laughs> the descriptions and shit. Um, and then Buzz Busby, who by the way, welcome to the chat. Uh, and somebody else joined. Oh, Stoneclaw was in the chat earlier, which was freaking awesome. Always, always good to have Stoneclaw in the chat. I don't think he's here anymore, but it, you know, I want to mention his name. Um, he's a very funny guy. He was on the show before. Uh, but Buzz Busby said, Tom has disdain for the chat. As if I hadn't specifically made it a point to go through the chat when you got and say, <laughs> hey, we need to talk about what's going on in the chat, you motherfuckers. Uh, yeah. But no, it is now, I have shared the Discord link in the chat, so Click on that and join the Discord. We'd love to have you. It's it's basically just me, V, uh, J. Coop, and Jurassic Weeb in the chat. Uh, and oh, and then um, gosh, I always forget his fucking name. Wendigo um, Gang. Wendigo Gang. Yeah, Wendigo Gang. And then Jerry. There's another. There's a Jerry in the chat as well. Who uh, we've we've been uh, discuss. We do a lot of very interesting discussions in there. And then I share a lot of like the nonsense that I do. Like today, I went and bought a bunch of dirt and shit so I could redo the yard. Uh, and um, yeah, we do a lot of that. We do just a lot of like, like casual chat Discord there. Man. So, to me, Discord is so much fun because we can just post anything in there. There's no like, there's no way that we can get banned, so we can say whatever we want, do whatever we want, and yeah. throw in whatever we want. So 
Except for I Love God learned the hard way, like the limitations on what can be, can and can't yeah, be said. Like, at what point will we get upset? We limit the hateful uh, speech. But I did, I did want to address this too. While we're on the topic of people like uh, thinking that I ignored the chat, there was something that I had written down that I wanted to address. Um, the discussion about circumcision. Uh, you guys talking about circumcision? I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Uh, as a seminary student who is currently working his way through the Pauline epistles and forced to become a Pauline scholar uh, because of all the exegesis that I've had to do on Paul's letters, there is one, if I could summarize Paul's opinion of the circumcision, uh, if I could summarize what Paul said, and what Paul said in the New Testament is kind of like what it is. Like, that's the rule, because Christ called upon Paul to go and spread the gospel and to clarify to the various churches uh, throughout, the, throughout the land what they were supposed to be doing and correct the wrongs that were being done at the time. Uh, first of all, I Love God did mention Leviticus, and there's something important that you need to know about the Mosaic Law of uh, Genesis, of, of the Torah, of the first five books of the Bible, um, of the Old Testament. Um... The, all the Mosaic laws went away as far as rites and rituals and ceremonial law and all that stuff. Uh, the things that you need to pay attention to from the Old Testament are the moral laws. So essentially the, the Ten Commandments and that's it. Then in the New Testament, Paul makes it very clear that at no, and he's very, he pulls no punches in this, when it comes to circumcision, because there is still some discussion on whether or not you are to be circumcised as a Christian, Paul makes it very clear that you do not have to be circumcised. And anyone tells you that you have to be circumcised is what Paul referred to as mutilator of the flesh. Uh, he called them dogs and evildoers and mutilators of the flesh. That's how he referred to the Jews in the New Testament and the Pauline epistles. So, when somebody tells you that you have to be circumcised in order to be a Christian, that is untrue. And Paul makes it very clear in all of the letters. So uh, Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, or Colossians Galatians, um, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Romans, and uh, gosh, a couple others. But if you, if you look into those, in every single one, he has to address the fact that the Jews were telling the new converts, the Gentile converts, that they had to be circumcised. And he said that that is not true. Now... If you want to, you can be circumcised. And the argument, which comes from denominational preference, which we talked about earlier, the denominational uh, changes that were made by biblical scholars, they said that the reason for circumcision still in the Christian community was because it was a sacrifice. It was, it was a way to ceremonially um, share in the sacrifice of Christ. Uh, so when you are circumcised, you are giving up a portion of yourself as a sacrifice in the same way that, not in the same way, but uh, so that you can relate to Christ, uh, to be more like Christ in your sacrifice. But to be a Christian who is uncircumcised, totally okay. To be a Christian who is circumcised, totally okay. That is the rule. Um, and Paul, if I were to summarize Paul's opinion on the topic of circumcision and people arguing about circumcisions, and this is not an attack on anyone in the chat, um, uh, so if anyone ever tells you that, Paul's opinion on circumcision, yeah, I'm sorry, I love God, I didn't, I wasn't able to, like, fully read the whole thing because we were, like, doing the 
show as we did it. But for anybody who tells you that you have to be circumcised or that you should be circumcised as a Christian, Paul's opinion on the topic was, um, shut the fuck up. That was it. Like, if you could summarize what Paul said about circumcision, it was shut the fuck up. Because he was so tired of hearing about it and people trying to tell people that they had to, that he just, at a certain point, he said, shut the fuck up. Period. That's the, that is the, <laughs> it's not biblical. That is my interpretation of what Paul said. And you could read it yourself. He talks about circumcision at great length throughout all of his epistles. Um, so don't let anyone ever tell you that you need to be, um, or that you should, for that matter. His argument was, just stop talking about it, because it's not important. And anyone who tells you that you have to is wrong. Uh, so shilling-wise, shilling uh, yeah, like what V said, just if you get out there and uh, join the Discord, we'd love to have you, we'd love to chat. We do chats throughout the week, and a lot of times people will come in and they'll pitch ideas, they'll talk to us about stuff that we should talk about. Uh, we do a lot of current event shit, so stuff that doesn't make the show that we just want to kind of talk about, like, I don't know, like Alex Jones today stopped human traffickers. Um, and then also uh, the talk about spirit cooking was validated in Newsweek. Like, that sort of shit is what we talk about. The stuff that comes up as it happens, we talk about it. There's, there's a thing for tentacle porn where Jurassic Weeb is kind of like, uh, he like makes the most contributions in that. We do a lot of <laughs> we do a lot of shit about like those fake uh, sex positions and stuff like that in the um, the Wendigo nudes, and then the the haunted memes is where we share all our memes. So if we ever come across any memes that we want to share, we just post them there. The grab assery chat is just where we kind of chat and shoot the breeze. Uh, but yeah, we'd love to have you there. We do a lot of discussion there, and and, and you're more than welcome to reach out to us there if you don't have, for instance, Twitter. Uh, we, we share some of the Twitter links that are applicable. And uh, follow us on Twitter, the Instagram. I'm still kind of like sitting that one out, seeing if I can. I'm kind of waiting out this doxing storm before I put it back on. Uh, but we'll have uh, we'll have that up and operational again at some point. Uh, other than that, yeah, the Red Bubble's still there. Look forward to doing this civilian stuff with V, and look forward, you should anticipate some of that coming out, uh, you know, in the in the future but thanks thanks everyone for tuning in and we will see you next week for the actual continuation of <laughs> the um the yeah. m files i'm joe biden and i approve this message are you interested in advertising on you had me at bigfoot Oh, hell no! Reach out to us at contact at youhadmeatbigfoot.com.